Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. It is Monday. It definitely is Monday. Uh, August 21st. We are here live. I've been talking to myself for the last 13 minutes. It was a really good opening. Um, I don't think I have a recording. If I had a recording of it, I would just hit play and and let you hear it, but uh, I don't. So uh, we are here live. Uh, Phone lines are open. In about 15 minutes, I've got a guest coming up, Jason Bach from uh, Broker's Edge and 360 Freight Solutions and uh, something called Lura Miles we might be talking about today. Um, He'll be with us here in about 15 minutes. So if you want to jump in with a call or a question, you can do that. If you want to line up uh, questions for Jason, you can do that as well. Uh, Jason comes from the broker side of things. Um, He's had a similar career to mine on the broker side. You know, started as a broker, learned how to really run that business well and profitably, and then started teaching other people how to run it. Uh, And he's grown a business from there. We had Jason on one of our Twitter spaces, uh, and it was starting to be a really good conversation. There was a lot of of things we were talking about, a lot of synergy, and we were just having technical issues the whole time. Um, I think it was on Jason's end, Um, but we invited him to come on the live show, so... Um, we could talk about it and uh, get that conversation going. So Jason will be with us here shortly. But again, if you want to jump in, phone lines are open, 855-950-3835. You know, I did this whole open this morning. Like I said, it was about 13 minutes talking to myself about a post on Twitter last week um, or X or whatever the hell we're calling it now. Um, Craig Fuller from Freight Waves put up a post. He started it with a comment, and I have made this exact comment many, many times over the years, never thought that it was controversial at all. And somehow that comment that that I've made many times, Craig made this time, became very controversial. It was taken a very different way. Um, uh, I was just reading a a note here. Um, I got distracted. Really is Monday. So this comment, if you've listened to the show, I know you've heard me talk about this. Not a lot, but, you know, maybe a time or two every year I bring this up. The comment is that trucking is a commodity. And, and it really is. Now, trucking covers a lot of freight segments, all kinds of stuff. So when you make a blanket statement like that, it's not going to be true all of the time. Not all freight or trucking is a commodity, not even close, but a lot is. I would say the majority of it is. And and a commodity is this. Commodity is a product or a service where the only thing that matters to the buyers is price. So if you think about, let's think about trailer spots. How much skill is required to pick up a trailer in one place move it to another place and drop it. How many things can go wrong? How difficult is it? It's really not. I mean, that is the the most basic thing we could do in trucking. That's a commodity. You know, for the most part, most freight in spotted trailers like that, if it gets to its destination sort of undamaged and mostly on time, then everybody's probably happy and they're not willing to pay a whole lot. They just want to get it done. Just 
got lots of trailers to move around, just move them. And it's going to happen based on price. It's just going to be cheap. Palletized, shrink-wrapped freight. Uh, it's a commodity. You're going to back up to a dock. Somebody with a tow motor is going to load you. You're going to close the door, drive it somewhere else, open the door, and somebody with a tow motor is going to take it off. Not a whole lot to go wrong. Kind of a commodity. Now, what are the types of freight that might not be a commodity? Well, well, the more difficult it is to move that freight, the more things that could go wrong, the more it becomes not a commodity. Even something as simple as taking some of that same freight but making it multi-stop, that, that's less of a commodity. It requires some time management skills to get LTL freight off, you know, multi-stop loads, more skill there. Something like cars, um, less of a commodity. It, it, it's a new skill to learn how to load those cars without damaging them. So that, that's less of a commodity. That's why it pays more. Heavy freight, overweight, oversize, overdimensional. Many, many more things to go wrong. Many more problems to solve. Those types of freight aren't commodities. So one of the things, the, the reason we talk about this and understand it is so that as a small business owner, you understand the concept and how you can stand out, how you can differentiate yourself and get paid more for your skill. You don't want to be a commodity. That's why we talk about this. But it got misconstrued this time. The, the same group I've been talking about for a while now, this new owner-operator association, they took this comment and thought that Craig was talking about drivers being a commodity. I don't know where they got that. There was nothing about the statement that said that. But they took it and they reacted very emotionally. Like it was, oh, you, you, you're talking about human beings now. You, you, and I was even alluded to, or they kind of said the experts, and um, it was, well, they better be careful about what they're saying because this is like buying and selling human beings. This is slavery. And I was a little shocked at the response. It had nothing to do with any of that. This wasn't about people. It was about trucking and freight, and it was a completely true statement. But this group just seems to be looking for something to be offended by. It, it kind of reminds me of the whole snowflake. We're going to just be offended by everything. That, that's kind of what this group is turning out to be. They, they, they're waging war against anybody who disagrees with them or makes a comment like this. They are now, you know, they've kind of waged war with freight waves of all places. They're just there providing information. But they, they, they just seem to have this attitude and this mindset that everybody is out to get them. And this is proof. Look, they, they want to treat us like a commodity. No, nobody was talking about that. Um, but I will say this. And I, I, by the way, I'm going to hold a Twitter space on this on Thursday. The, the people who would want to debate this uh, don't listen to the live show, I don't believe, because they never call. Um, but they're usually on the Twitter space. And that's sometimes why our spaces get pretty interesting. So we'll talk about this um, Thursday. And I'm going to throw this out there. Since, since it was brought up, 
about the drivers being the commodity. And I've never brought this topic up thinking that way, never said that, never even thought of it. But since somebody mentioned it, and that, that's kind of what they got very emotional about and went off on, I got thinking about it. I can tell you exactly how to commoditize a driver. It's actually pretty simple. If you want to make the driver a commodity, put them in a union. Isn't that exactly what a union does? Makes every driver exactly the same. You have to pay them the same. You have to treat them the same. All the rules are the same. That if, if every driver is exactly the same, which is kind of what the union does, the union forces that mentality. You have to treat these people the same. You have to pay them the same. You have to give them the exact same benefits. We have to have the exact same rules for everybody. It's kind of the opposite of an independent contractor who kind of can do his own thing. In the union, and I've told the story about the the short time I worked as an owner-operator under a union contract, and I hated it for this reason. You were not allowed to stand out. If you did something better, you got punished by the other people in the union. Oh, you, you better not try to be better than us. You can't do this job faster. No, this is the time you're supposed to do this in. I've told the stories. That really makes you a commodity. You are now exactly like every other driver in the union, and you have to be treated that way. If you want that, great. I I can't imagine um, how unmotivated. Well, no, I can imagine. I was in that system, totally unmotivated, did not even want to get up and go to work. What's the point? All I'm going to do is exactly what everybody else does and do not try to stand out. Do not try to improve anything. Do not try to do anything better. We will tell you how you're going to do your job. That really does make human beings a commodity. And that's kind of sad. Let's, uh, let's go to the phones. Let's go to Texas. Fred, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. Good morning. Good morning. What's on your mind today? So I have, really, I have a really, really uh, interesting and good story for you. Um, Saturday night. I just was uh, wound up sitting, you know, getting into my room late, and I just was I was wasn't tired. I went on Twitter or X, and there was a space that came up on my newsfeed about the vaccine. So I was like, let me go in here and see it. It was all it was a bunch of doctors, a bunch of nurses, and they were talking about, you know, th- that that looks like Canada has two variants and everything else. And they were talking about, and then one doctor says. We have to, you know, you have to manage your health. And there was about a couple hundred people in the space. So I put in to talk, request to speak, right? So I get, I get on, they let me, they bring me in. I said, I told them who I was, told them I'm not anything affiliated with with the medical, you know, uh, except for me being a corpsman back in in the 80s uh, with the Navy. Yeah. I said, and and I, I laid it out, I said, you know, I said, this is no, this is not an attack on the doctors and the nurses who are in the medical system. I said, I said, this is, this is, I think they're honorable and noble. And I think most of them do this for the right reasons. I said, but the medical system has been corrupted by drugs and surgeries. And that's all, that's all the tools in their tool chest now. And these doctors actually started agreeing with me. One was like the the Rockefellers corrupted the medical community with, with the drugs and, that's all they push. And we had this awesome conversation 
about health and about diet. And they kept referring back to me, keeping me in the conversation. I, you know, we were talking about the Matthias Desmus book that I, that I recommended to you about the total, uh, psychology of totalitarianism about, uh, Chris Palmer and, and brain energy, uh, Mercola and, and I said, Perlmutter with grain brain. And, uh, they were, they were, and they were overwhelmed that a truck driver knew more about nutrition than 90% of the, they were, uh, you know, they were, they were amazed. I mean, it was, so, I, I actually stayed up till about one o'clock in the morning talking to these people. It was, that it had was to incredible. be fun. It was incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it was really fun. And they, they were like, you know, everyone could do it. Look, this, this man has nothing to do with, with medical community. He took it upon himself to educate himself and, and, and anyone can do this, you know, and they yeah. were really, uh, they were blown away. I love they that. were blown away. It was, it was an awesome space. Uh, she, one of the doctors though, she said, we talk, I said, I was talking about vitamin D and how I think that we're all deficient. And she says, well, we can't metabolize vitamin D. And she recommended to me, I'm going to give you this. It's uh phos, Phosphatidylcholine. Choline, choline, yeah. She said that we're that that's a factor that we need that a lot of people don't get because they don't eat liver and 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 stuff like that. So, so that we will never metabolize. So let me address that without a a, a, so, a level. Yeah, so, that's I, that's why I want to talk to you. Yeah, about this. so yeah. choline, we have it in our store. Uh, we use it occasionally right. on things. This argument about vitamin D in the the holistic health world has been going on for a while now. Um, in the beginning, almost everybody was pretty on the same page with this. We need more vitamin D. We need to supplement vitamin D. Then we kind of went back and forth on which form is the best. Uh, here's what we found, though. You know me. I, I work more on results than anything else. And we get a lot of results because we work right. with a lot of people. When we supplement right. vitamin D, things get better. We see it across the board. We see people who used to get sick once or twice a year stop getting sick. We see results. And as long as I keep seeing results, when I see people do better when we're supplementing vitamin D, why would I stop? Why would I think we're missing something here? I don't see that we're missing anything. It works. Now, do we see once in a while somebody who is supplementing heavy and their numbers are still low? Yeah. Then we need to go in and figure out what's going on. Are they missing cofactors? Would some phosphatidylcholine help? But it's pretty rare. We don't see right. it that often. Right. Right. When we do, we'll address it and we'll right. go figure out what's going on. Um, but this idea that, oh, all this supplementing vitamin D is just wrong. No, it's not. It's working in most cases. Yeah. Yeah. They were all respectful. The one doctor that <clears throat> told me about this phosphatidyl chloride, uh, chlorine, um, they, she, she said, choline, yeah, choline. She said, uh, she also pushed back on me on, on, a on, a uh, a carnivore diet. Of course. And of course. <clears throat> she said, yeah, she said, you know, you need fiber, you need vegetables in your diet. I said, well, I says, you know, I says, I, I, I've had, uh, you know, a, a lot of exposure to uh, a cardiologist, Dr. Jack Wilson. He comes on, on uh, a show that I listen to frequently, and that's how I got into this health journey. 
I spoke of you briefly. I didn't want to overwhelm them that, you know, some, dr- <laughs> some truck driver in Oregon yeah, exactly. is doing, is, right. is healing more patients yeah. than them. Yeah. But, you know, so I said, I said, Dr. Jack Wilson, I said, he's a cardiologist. He was a, he was a regular cardiologist and actually his wife got him into the holistic. She is a, uh, a chiro- chiropractor. I said, and now he, tr- he treats people comes in. He says, cause that's, that, that is the, the best uh, elimination diet where you're going to get good quality nutrients and 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 eliminate everything that could be reactive to you. And let's and let's, so, let's talk about they, that too, because I still see doctors in the functional holistic world that are not fans of carnivore. They think it's a problem. There's not enough nutrition. Right. There's no fiber. Let's go back to results again. And I think I'm a great example yep. of this myself. Because I had been diagnosed with digestive issues at four years old. In kindergarten, I went to the hospital over this. I I didn't drink milk at lunch. I drank grape juice because they thought I was lactose intolerant. Then I had, um, uh, I don't even remember, colitis, according to them. Um, I was put on a high fiber diet. It was a mess. It was awful. It didn't yeah. work. I've fought with this yep. my whole life. Every time, you know, things go wrong with your digestion, it's, well, you need more fiber. I, I take fiber and sometimes it worked, but then many times it didn't. And there was no consistency. It's always been that way for me. When I started eating better and I took some supplements for my digestion, it got better. But I talked about it. It took me several years right. to get my fat digestion right. But ultimately... yes. Ultimately, what makes my digestion best, hands down, not even close, the, the more carnivore-ish I eat, the better my digestion gets. Zero fiber and my digestion works great. So I don't believe this fiber thing anymore. We've gone back and forth on this for years. I just don't think fiber is necessary for human beings to have good digestion. It may even be the opposite. That it's all that fiber that starts interfering with things and causing issues. So, right, I, it, right. but well, if we also look at the progression, the progression we've been through over the last eight years, and I'm going to make this comment. Um, uh, hey, anything you want to talk to Jason about? Well, I've got you on the line. Uh, I just, I just actually logged logged into the space. I what what is going on with? Oh, uh, today. Um, I don't even know. Do you remember? Uh, I think you were on the space we did with uh, Jason Bach from Broker's Edge. He was having all kinds of technical issues, oh, so we invited him onto the show, and he's on right now. So I got to go grab him. Oh, oh, okay, okay. Oh, uh, no, no, I really have nothing for him. I, I uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. one other thing I want you to look into. Yeah, um, <clears throat> I did another Twitter space. Two of the nurses asked me to come on Sunday morning, and this guy uh, Rife. R I F E technology. He does something with, with, uh, with, uh, uh, ultrasonic wavelengths and frequencies. Okay. Um, about treating people through frequencies and, and treating people for what? levels of frequencies, uh, for pretty much everything from what I gathered from the space Sunday morning, I couldn't listen okay. to it. I was in and out of it cause I had some errands to do. I'm going to look at it a little more if I find, you know, uh, it's some kind of machine that you. Okay. Get. It, I'll go uh, take a look. It helps with EMPs. It, yeah. Yeah. Just yeah. something to think about. R-I-F-E technology, right? Okay. Technology. I'll go check it out. And we'll talk to you again soon. I do want to get to our guest, So we're going to do that right now. 
I want to welcome in Jason Bach from, uh, he's the founder of Broker's Edge 360 Freight Solutions and Lura Miles. Uh, Jason, welcome back. Hey, Kevin, great to be back, man. I was listening to your previous guest, and I, can I just add one real quick thing before we go into it? Sure, absolutely. Just eliminate sugar, man. Just yeah. get rid of sugar as fast yeah. for you. No doubt. You <laughs> know, I, I was about to, I was about to go. Yeah, I was about to go through this progression we've been through on diet over the last nine years. It's been a big part of what we do. It's become about 80% of our business. So, I, you know, I was telling really? people that you and I kind of have similar tracks. You, you did it in the broker world. I did it in the owner-operator world. Um, we started businesses. We struggled. We learned things. We worked out, you know, pretty good systems and then started sharing that knowledge with other people, helping other people learn how to run that business really well. So you and I um, had a lot of similarities there. And that used to be 100% of our business. I mean, we worked with owner operators on how to run their business better, how to get better fuel mileage, how to, you know, get better rates, how to work with brokers, all the things on and on. But it was all business, taxes, accounting, all of that. And then... Almost nine years ago, uh, our listeners started asking for help with health. They were really struggling with health issues, and they just couldn't find any help. The advice that's out there is awful, has been forever. It's even harder for drivers because of their, you know, their situation. So I fought it for about a year. I said, look, that's not what we do. We, we do business. And they said, but, you know, you used to own a gym, you used to coach wrestling. you you, got to be able to help us with this. Nobody else is helping us. And uh, finally, one of my employees talked me into it. And I said, all right, I'm going to go back to school then. I'm going to become a nutritional therapy practitioner. I read like 200 books on health and nutrition. And we started helping drivers and and it became 80% of our business now. Yeah. Hey, and I agree with you. High protein diet is massive. Um, I do a lot of weightlifting, so it's imperative that I take in enough protein. I'm I'm eating six meals a day, and um, three of those have over 50 grams of protein in them. Yeah. And then, of that, course, I'm taking protein in the other ones as well. But, I mean, like, those are the high protein. My breakfast, my mid-lunch, and then my dinner. Or I, mean, I take it back. And my, my before bed shake is really where I'm taking in all that protein. And those are just shakes. And, and honestly, that's anything. Anybody could do that. A driver could do that easily. Yeah, we, you, you know, know we, clean water and, and a shake. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just that's all I do. We went from early on, you know, cut out all the sugars, cut out the processed foods. That was kind of step one. And we got some pretty good results with a lot of people. Then we went grain-free because grains are just sugars with a bunch of other problems. So we kind of went grain-free. Right. People thought that was really extreme. Um, then we went keto. We were keto before keto was cool way back when, uh, which was a very high fat, moderate protein, low carbohydrate diet. We got incredible results with that. We had drivers who were losing a pound a day and losing up to 150 pounds in in a half a year, which was just incredible and feeling better and joint pain went away. We got rid of a bunch of medications. And then we went from that to there were still some problem cases that weren't responding as well as we thought they should. And we moved to just pure carnivore, nothing but animal products or, or as much as possible. And the results are incredible. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I, I think, I mean, I only speak from my perspective, but um, I know that there's a lot of different methods out there because there's a lot of different chemistries out there. You know, not all too, 
No two bodies are created the same. You know, we as we, far as our, our we, we we talk we about that a lot. We you know we uh, we we talk about though, but what we have found over the years, and it's this progression. Those differences are much smaller than what we thought they used to be. We used to think there was a huge difference. Like, if you've got this ethnic background, you might do better with more carbohydrates in your diet. I, you know what we found? That's almost never true. Human beings, especially if they've become metabolically sick, and everybody on the standard American diet is metabolically sick. They don't process carbs well. They're so insulin resistant because the diet was so bad that many times we need that extreme um, to kind of break through. And, And we tell people, look, at some point you will be able to go back to eat some of those foods. You never want to go back mm-hmm. to the standard American diet, never. But you, you'll be able to eat. Yeah, you, you'll be able to eat some more fruit. You'll be able to eat some carbs here and there, and, and, and you can build back to that. But we have found almost across the board, every human being that is sick, and, and it's most of us, um, the more carbs you get out of the diet, the better they do. For sure. I agree yeah. with that 100%. I mean, I... Any, any of my friends that are really lean and, and just dialed in, they're incredibly low carb intake. Yeah. And, and people yep. will dispute it. I, I just, the results don't lie. I mean, that, you know, that's it. it it's if it's results. Yeah. If you're getting ready for a show, you know, they're loading up on water. They're not loading up on burgers and fries. <laughs> <laughs> it's just not the thing. Yep. Yep. But all right. At any rate, no, I, I'm, I'm glad to see that you're doing that for your, for your listeners. That's really cool, man. And, uh, you know, like I said, it's a lifestyle change. You know, if you adopt something, and make it the norm, then it's not the end of the world. And, and doing little steps, you know, take this out, stop doing that, yeah. change this up, and, and see what works for you. And, and as things progress, then you start seeing results. You're like, okay, cool. Now I feel good about this. You, um, one major thing for me was drinking pop. You know, oh, like it's yeah. really easy to grab a can of Coke. And, and, and I had to stop that. And when I stopped that, all of a sudden I started just shedding weight. Isn't it crazy? And I, I mean, I, I went there. Yeah, at the beginning of the year, I was about 232. Um, I, I started this about two months ago, and I've dropped about eight pounds. And I haven't changed anything else. I, I believe it. I mean, I still we do see normal, it. normal workout it. activities and stuff. It's just that sugar intake, two, three Cokes a day. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. really, it just sits on you. It uses carbs. You, you know what finally convinced yeah. me to do it? Uh, I, I was huh. pretty focused on no we do business we're gonna stick with we're gonna stay in our lane we're not gonna be all over the place uh we got on the the idea and i don't remember exactly if it was a listener a caller what um the idea that look if if you want to help people with their business and their money which are pretty important things those things aren't going to matter if somebody's sick and right, it, it, yeah, you, you got to focus on, focus on that so you're not focusing on being sick Yeah, and trying it, to get, stay well. It, it really kind of clicked with me, and I thought, you know what, what good – am I really helping people with their business and, and their money? Is that is that enough if they're sick? And honestly, the answer is no. If you're sick, nothing really matters except getting better. You know, it, it's funny that you mention that because it's not really a requirement in our culture as far as, like, the, the companies that we have, but – it is a constant that the people that do really well are the people that are taking care of themselves. Right. Right. Um, the people that are working out regularly. And, it, it, and again, we don't, we don't push that as a narrative or anything like that. It's just part of what we do. They like, I don't make it a, a it, it's not a secret that I go to the gym three to four times a week. It's right. not a secret that part of my <laughs> right. schedule is to walk on our treadmill in the morning 
It's not a secret that my part of my schedule is to do 10 minutes of yoga in the morning. It's not a secret. And I, I tell everybody this because I feel it's important to know that I'm leading by example. If you think you should do it, then you should do it. Yeah. If you think there's yeah. a better way, then do that too. Whatever. Just do something. You know, yeah. and I, I've spent decades not doing anything and being sick and, and, and quitting smoking was a huge, that was really the biggest turning point for me. When I was 35, I quit smoking after 20 years of being a pack and a half day smoker. And I was just sick and tired of waking up feeling sick and tired. Yeah, right. And right. that, 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 I mean, legitimately, I mean, like I couldn't function without a cigarette. It was gross. Yeah. You know, where, where I really started looking and then I started looking at my life going, you know, I want to be wealthy. I don't see rich people smoking. I ought to stop right. this. You know, so I built so much evidence into why I should stop doing this that it, it just became a plan. It became the journey. You know, what am I going to do? And I remember right about a week or two after I had finally kind of quit, I, I took Chantix to do this. Yeah. And we had, had an opportunity to meet Ozzy Osbourne. I went to a book signing out here in Dallas. And you can bet that most of the people out there were smoking in the parking lot. I'm right. over there eating my Werther's candies. And, you know, <laughs> get the hand to mouth thing figured out and it just, you know. I'm I'm just punishing myself with candy, but right. the point to that was to update the issue, you know, and and it's arrived. Yes, you know, and I feel better today. In fact, I just had labs done. Um, I'm, I'll be 48 in December. I just had labs done last week. My doctor tells me she goes, I don't know what you're doing, but just keep doing it. Yeah, she goes internally, you're you've got five you, 20 year old. You, you know goes, what's you funny? Uh, we do we deal with a lot of truck drivers who are really really unhealthy. Um, here's kind of the funny story. You know, some drivers are gone a month at a time. You know how this industry works. Sure. We've had, I can't Absolutely. count how many times this story happened. A driver would be listening to us. He's out on the road. He decides to start doing this. And he goes home 40 days later, and he might be 40 pounds lighter when he shows up at home. And the wives are looking at him going like, what the hell happened? And what did you do? Because I want to do it. Um, and, and then we started working with their spouses. I've worked with kids now. Um, it, it's just really grown. Right. But it was pretty incredible to see, you know, the results when these guys would do this on the road and then they'd come home. Um, it, it was such a shocking transformation. Well, and, and to that point, I got to admit, it is actually easier for me to eat correctly during the day when my wife is on around. Because when we, when we, <laughs> right. when all this is like, what do you want to do for food? I don't know. I, I've been working all day. I don't really want to cook. I don't want to do this. I don't do that. And then we end up eating pizza. You know, yeah, <laughs> well, like and, and, in the beginning, the thought was this is really hard to do on the road. And we, we fixed that. We, we taught truck drivers yeah. how to pressure can their own meat at home. Like we have drivers go contract with a local farm, get local beef and pork and chicken that's been raised right. And then we show them how to pressure can it. So now they can take meat, okay. cooked meat on the truck with them with no refrigeration needed ever. They just open up a jar of this stuff and eat it. So we, we started teaching them those things. And it turns out... Now, all of our drivers say, oh, no, this is much easier to do when I'm on the road. When I go home is when it becomes difficult because of friends and family 100%. and somebody wants to stop over and, you know, drink beer and eat pizza. And so they say it's much easier on the road. And, and my advice to that is they, they will respect your decisions. Be like, look, you know, what? I'm doing something right now. Just. You know, pl please give me the grace not to do that. And just ask. Well, you, you, you're like, look. You, you know what's funny about this? We talk about it all the time. 
You, you could invite people over and have a table full of Doritos and Oreos and potato chips, whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Nobody says a thing. Invite people over and have nothing but trays full of meat and cheese and watch what happens. They'll lose their mind. Oh, yeah. They think you're, you're in there, so oh, like, oh, my yeah, God, you, you, you can't eat like that. You're going to kill yourself. Well, wait a minute. Why didn't you say that last week with the Doritos and the Oreos on the table? You thought that was just fine. Yeah. No, you're 100% on, Kevin. That, that's, it's crazy how the narrative looks. And you know, I, I don't know if you guys talk about it or not, but the grocery store is laid out in such oh. a way that yeah. you really don't need to hit the aisles. You just go through the perimeter and you can leave. Yep. That, that's a concept yeah. we've been teaching for years. And the other thing we teach, you know, mm-hmm. in the beginning, we try to help people with labels, you know, ingredient labels. And our yeah. rule of thumb was, look, if it's got more than five ingredients or something you can't pronounce, just put it back. But we progressed 100%. to you actually 90 plus percent of the foods you should be eating should not have an ingredient list. Ribeyes have yeah. no ingredient list. I, Eggs do not have an ingredient list. That that that's the kind of food you should be eating most of. Things that don't even have an ingredient list. Well, when we do live in upside down land, I'm at Walgreens and I'm buying a bag of popcorn, and the lady goes, "Oh, you're getting some healthy stuff." I looked at her and said, "You kidding me? <laughs> healthy? No, I just <laughs> want a snack." <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm like, I'm like. First off, this is not a meal. Secondly, carbs are carbs. It doesn't yeah. matter what the calorie caloric intake is. Carbs are carbs. They still process the same. Yep. And, and she, I, she, I can tell. I'm looking at. I'm talking to her. I'm like, you're a grown ass person. Why don't you understand well, this stuff? Yeah. You work, and, in a, you work in the health field. You're a, it, you're in pharmacy for crying out loud. What's do going you, on here? Does she not realize that like 90 plus percent of the corn grown in this country is genetically modified? It's not even real food. It's a science experiment. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I'm sure she doesn't. No, no. You know, I mean, it, it really is. It's, it's very unfortunate that the, the health industry alone is just so fractured and oh, scattered all over the place. Yeah. It, I, we, I went for a uh, CT scan about a week, or I've been taken back about a month ago, and I walked in and they charged me $390. I said, I'm curious, how much of that did my insurance pick up? She, he goes, oh, none. I said, so why did I said, what if, if I don't pay with my insurance? He goes, oh, it's 330 Yeah. But it won't go against your deductible. I, would, I turned to the kid. I said, do you not hear what you just said? Does that not sound like a problem to you? It's a huge like, I, problem. I don't understand what you mean. Yeah, and they don't even I'm get like, it. I'm like, dude, this is so ass backwards. It is so ass backwards yeah. the way that this whole thing is run. It's just a scam. Well, you know, you know? we, we, we work with... We work with what are called functional medicine doctors now who go through a whole separate kind of training after medical school. I mean, they still have to have medical school, but functional training teaches them that the human body will fix itself. Give it the right nutrition and it will fix itself. We don't need drugs and surgeries. Um, So we work with, uh, you may have heard him mentioned, Dr. Jack Wolfson is a cardiologist. He's a regular guest on our show now. And it's yeah. just, we, we refuse to call that the healthcare system. That's the sick care system. That, that's what, <laughs> there is no health involved in our sick care system at all. In fact, it's designed to keep you sick, just not kill you. Right. So check this out. My, I have a kinesiologist I work with. He's also a chiropractor. I see him every week, every Friday at two o'clock. And he puts me back together. I do my back and shoulders and off I go for the weekend. And yeah. I wash, rinse, repeat every week. Yep. And 
over time, I've been on different uh, supplements just to kind of boost different things and stuff. And I already mentioned the quality of my labs, right? Yeah. So I've got to go to a doctor's appointment or something. And they asked me to get, list all my prescriptions and all my supplements. I'm like, really? So I got an Excel spreadsheet because <laughs> the little form they gave me wasn't going to be long. <laughs> and I broke it out. And I, I, Sunday morning is my ritual to do my pills for the week. I sound like an elderly man here, but I have a pill case and I just do it. I'm, you know, these are my morning ones. These are my lunch ones. These right. are my, you know, dinner ones. These are my evening ones and, and so on. I filled it all out and I, and they wanted milligrams and all this other stuff. And I'm looking at this list and my wife goes, you know, they're going to say something. I said, yeah, I know. Right. And my response is going to be, I'm built like a 20 year old and you're not. Exactly. I, I'm I, at sixty zero prescription medications. I take nothing. Let's um, see how you're doing. Yeah, I, I have doctor. my regular supplements, and I have the way I eat. And I've challenged any doctor, nurse, healthcare, pre- anybody who wants to come on the show and discuss this. I'll, I'll do it. Um, I have no medical background. Yeah. I'll, I'll explain that right up front. I don't give medical advice. I give nutritional advice. Something you, doctor, by the way, probably have no clue about because you weren't taught it in medical school. They, there's almost no, zero nutritional training in most medical schools today. None. I, I, I can't even imagine what comes out of the schools. I, I, I know how we're turning out education in, you know, just yeah, in general. Exactly. We don't really care much about math. Right. I mean, you know, like, could you actually do? So I, I got to believe that the medical field is probably not much different. No, it's, it's worse, actually. I really do think that. Um, Boy, Jason, this has been a lot of fun. We knocked out about a half hour. We haven't even yeah. touched on trucking yet. It's kind of nice. Well, yeah, let, let's let's get into things here, man. I, I you know, I uh, w- I love the conversation we had last time, and it really, my biggest takeaway was that the focus really needed to be on education, but you know, a communicate an action, op- actual and open conversation between brokers and carriers, because. I don't, a lot of times we don't know how to work with each other. Right. And it's very unfortunate. You've got a lot of workers that are entering into the industry that really, uh, I don't know, we're we pretty open here with our language. Absolutely. We say <laughs> um, anything we want here. I, okay. I just want to make sure the, the rules are still the same. They don't know shit from Shinola. Right. And they come in and they do what they see some seasoned veteran doing. And they watch you actually witnessed is kind of like an old car salesman. He's picked up all the bad habits and other good. And then they're standing there with a cigarette hanging out of their mouth, greeting a customer, looking like an asshole. And that's unfortunate because we have a lot of brokers that are doing the exact same thing. You've got a lot of people that have developed bad habits teaching new people how to behave. And it's just going to compound itself. So, I am embarrassed over what I see as far as the people, my contemporaries, if you will, uh, in a lot of ways, because you know, we, we see things that are predatory. We see things that are just ignorant, just straight up ignorant. And I, it's unfortunate because it doesn't have to be like this. If a company is a brokerage and it's running itself correctly, it's an advocate for carriers. Of course. And exactly. That, that has, we're introducing small to mid-sized carriers to companies that they wouldn't normally have access to. And I, I said something last time and I'll, I'll, I stick to it. The money that I make is the money the charts leave on the table. Oh, I mean, you know, right. it's, yep. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, that's the God's honest truth. If, if they were better at doing certain functions, we wouldn't be necessary, but it's not a hundred percent realistic for them to do a lot of the functions that I do. It, so, I mean, it, there's, it there's doesn't make sense. Right. 
Right. right. I, I, I mean, I, I'm not. I'm not built to have a fleet of trucks because that's not what my company does. Yeah. Yeah. And none of my companies own assets. We, we're. Oh, I take it back. The brokerage has an asset side, but I mean, like the other companies, the, the brokerage school, and of course, you know, Laura Miles doesn't have assets. There's no reason for it. Right. Right. So. Um, yeah, I, I think educating both parties and, and, of course, now educating carriers how to interact with trucking companies or with brokerages to have a comprehensive conversation so that you can get what you want. You're communicating what your needs are. You know the approach I've taken from right. the education side on this because what we have to deal with on the carrier side, the owner-operator side specifically, is there are a lot of brokers out there now, especially in the last 10 years, that don't really operate the way they should. And then you have owner operators that respond to that. And now we have the two groups of people that if they actually cooperated could change this industry. And instead they fight like cats and dogs all the time. And the way they talk about each other is just awful. And the approach I've tried to take, uh, you know, I've studied business my whole life. I've, almost never been an employee um, in my entire career. Um, a couple of jobs here and there, but, it, but I've always been an entrepreneur and a business owner, and I've studied business. And, it, you know, I came across this concept. I wish I could remember where I first saw it, but it was a long time ago, and it just stuck with me. And it was so simple. It, it really said the way to be successful in business, any business, is to provide more value to your customer than anybody else can. It was just that simple. Yeah, and I thought, absolutely. wow, boy, that really makes things easy, right? I, I thought this business thing was really complicated, but it's not. No. It, you it, have it, a it, customer. It's not the, the slight hand or magic right. thing. It, it, it's pretty straightforward. It, it, money is never an, never an issue in the absence. You know, it's only an issue in the absence of value. If you provide right. enough value, you can ask for anything. Yeah. And so based and, and, on and that concept, I, I thought, well, here's one of the reasons I struggle as an owner-operator, and I was struggling back then when I learned this. This is the reason I see a lot of other owner-operators struggling. We never even talk about customers. That word does not get used right. in the owner-operator world ever. And I thought... How weird is that? If there's one way to be really successful, it's to provide value to your customer, then how do you do that if you've never even identified who your customer is? So I started talking to people and saying, look, if you want to be successful, you have to figure out how to provide more value to your customer. Say that to an owner operator and you get the deer in the headlights look. The concept doesn't even click with them because we never talk about customers. And then I started saying, look, this is simple. Who pays you? Whose check are you depositing in the bank? And whoever that is, that's your customer. Now, you look at an owner-operator who's leased to a carrier and tell them that carrier is your customer, they will argue with you. They don't believe that that's their, they hate their carrier. They're always bitching about them. It's, there's always yeah. something wrong. And then I said, look, if they pay you, they are your customer and you better start treating them that way. And they will push, oh, hell no, I'm not treat. they don't treat me. Like, I'd say, stop, hold on a second. If you're that emotional and strong about the fact that you can't think of this carrier as your customer, 
you better go find another customer because your, your whole business model is screwed. If you do nothing right. but and bitch and complain and fight with your only customer, you're never going to be successful. Then we take it a step further. If you've got your own authority, whose check are you depositing? If it's a broker, that broker right. is your customer. Boy, they will lose their mind yeah. over this comment. Yeah, and I can see we're flipping a script like that. It really does. You know, there's a massive misnomer about going out and, and having your own company. And maybe it would be a good time to talk about this real quick. You know, a lot of people say, I own my own business, so I don't work for anybody, which oh, is complete horseshit. Exactly. Yeah. Everybody is my boss. I'm going to make everybody happy, but at least I'm doing it for myself. That's the one difference. I'm Correct. doing everything I do for my house, family, myself. So if you're an owner operator and you're out there, yes, you own your own company and that's great, but you need to understand that you work for everybody now, but you're doing it on your own terms. <laughs> right. You get to so choose. That's okay. Exactly. No, there's no forced dispatch. You, you choose. Now, I, I would love to hear these guys actually go back to their dispatch and say, look, I'm in Chicago. Don't post me to go anywhere because Jason's not going to call me then. I'm only going to call you on the lanes that you want. Right. That's the whole point of the room. I was just going to put you guys into, into an area and give you a vehicle to do that. Is to actually say, I'll go, I'm one truck, I will go from Chicago to Florida for whatever amount of money. I'll go to, from Chicago to Dallas for whatever money. I'll go to, from Chicago to LA for whatever money. You, you know, when you guys post anywhere, that that could be Minot, North Dakota or Bangor, Maine. I mean, like, you guys don't want to go there. Yeah, right. So being intentional with what you're saying helps you. It's, it, it saves you the frustration of, of taking a thousand phone calls for that one one little sliver of information that you're really looking for, that really good load. Because that when, once you get intentional and start really talking to people in a way that they can help you, then that's really all I'm trying to do. We're, we all have the same goal. You want to get the truck to where you want to go. I want to get my load to where I want to go with it. And we all want to get paid. We need to work together. The best we can. Exactly. Exactly. Everybody wants to get paid whatever fair is. Yeah. You know, and, and, and you know, I, I Fair, fair is a subjective thing in in, in business and it's just in life. Correct. What dictates the deal is what feels good to the person at the time to which they've signed the deal. There may be somebody out there that gets paid more. There may be somebody out there that gets paid less. It could be in cars or anything else that you purchase. Yep. What makes a really good deal is when everybody wins and everybody feels good with what has happened. So, you know, you, you may not be getting top dollar, but are you making a money like making the money that you need to to make this work and to get to where you're going. Yep. I mean, that's the way I objective look at these things. And we don't win on every load. I mean, that that is a fact. We've got some loads <laughs> that uh, you know we calculate our risk, and sometimes we sometimes we make money on them. But we do so much with this customer, like I don't care if I'm going to lose on a couple of loads here and there. You know, there, there's seasons for that type of thing. Yes. But I, and I, and it's nothing. But I would much rather work with somebody year round. I've got a guy that we do. We do year-round loads with him out of Vermont and Pennsylvania, and he gets paid the same amount of money every week, whether the money's up, the money's down. He's getting paid a fair rate because I'm getting paid the same thing. My, my rate doesn't fluctuate, so why should his? Right. He took a week off, and I had to find somebody, and I posted the load up. I just didn't – I did put a rate, and I just posted the load up, and I had a guy do it for $500 less than he would do it. And I'm like, are you sh he, that was his rate. He goes, I'll take it. Uh, give, give me 1200 I'm like, right. okay. All right. Sure. <laughs> You know, and it was, I mean, 
I'm not going to argue with him. I'm in business, right? This isn't a charity, but at the end of the day, that was a fair rate to him, which right. is great. Yeah. He got what he wanted. I got what I wanted, you know, and, and the next week I went right back to my guy and gave, you know, when he came back, he got what he normally gets because that's how I run my businesses. I want to make sure that we're building relationships. I want to make sure that people can count on us to build their economies and their empires. You know, it, we're all working together in this common goal. And if, if, so if we start let, playing games or messing with each other, then it doesn't help. Let's bring that back to value. It's kind of what we started talking about. Mm-hmm. You have a load. It's your customer. You need to make sure this load gets moved. You're, you have to pay to move this load. You just right. admitted you're willing to pay $500 more. It's the exact same load. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it, it's going to the Something same. Every, you're willing to pay $500 more. How does that make any sense? It's the same load. Well, it's not the same value. Yeah. Yeah. The, that regular right, driver exactly. brings yeah, more value to you. So like you said, in yep. the absence of value, that, that's what we're talking about here. You are willing to pay more. We've tried to get that concept across to owner-operators, and it is so frustrating. When, when we say treat yeah. them like your customer, provide maximum value, find ways to provide value that nobody else is even thinking about. And their response is, well, they're just not willing to pay more anyway. Well, yes, they are. I can promise you, know. you they are. You will argue with me because you've never done it. You've never experienced it. So why don't you go try it before yeah. you tell me it doesn't work? Yeah, no, I, I agree 100%, Kevin. I, you know, I, I don't work with bottom line customers. And, and it's unfortunate because a lot of brokers really do. You know, what we teach our brokers is how to not worry about price so much. Price is really just, like I said, it's, it's only an issue in the absence of value. So what we want to do is build a case to why a customer should pay us more. Right. And raise the rate on, you know, and, and in turn do the job correctly. So, that allows me to work with a higher caliber of carrier, which allows me to pay them more because I've got more to work with now. Again, yep. we're not a charity. <laughs> so, I don't do this because I got nothing better to do with my day. You know, here's, here's one of the concepts we fight with all the time. Um, you mentioned exactly what I say. We need to be talking about everything other than price. Price is the easy part yeah. here. Let's talk about value first. What kind of value can we provide to that shipper? You and I working together now as a team. I look at you, the broker, as my customer, but as a team, what kind of value can we provide to that shipper? Because if we provide value, they'll pay for it. Now, is that true on every load? There are no, some loads not. that are just but, garbage, right? Nobody cares. Just, just yeah, get it there. Yeah, they're, they're just loading and it's just it's over and done with. And you've got just bad customers, right? Bad. It was really sad for me as a broker when I have a really good customer and then they've made a change. Somebody new comes in. Oh, don't you happened, hate that? And all of a sudden, <laughs> and I. It, Kevin, there's a five to seven year lifespan for a customer typically. That's been my experience. And the, the, yeah. there's a yeah. honeymoon phase, and then by by the fifth to seventh year, they're petered out. They're done. And that's usually how long it takes them to buy into some program or find somebody that knows how to do it better. And if I've done my job correctly, I've got everybody around in that company such an advocate that when that new person comes in, I kind of piss them off because they're like, <laughs> why do they keep asking for Jason? <laughs> 
it's like it becomes a mission to to prove that I can, there's anybody else. I mean, a dead body can do it better than me. You know, whatever. But right. you know, they just beat you up, and you're like, okay, fine. You know, it was a good run. Move yeah. on. It, you know, twice. But that's in, why you're always why you're always shopping for a new customer. That's why you're always looking for new employees. That's why you're always looking to improve because a customer could make the decision tomorrow that they only want to work with blue trucks. Yep. It, and it, if you can't provide them with blue trucks, we don't have any use for you. Yeah. It's you why know, nothing it, is they do the ever settled when you're in business. Nothing just you yeah. know hums along for very long without intervention. Everything changes. Uh, and it's difficult. You know, I, I have two, two examples in my career, big examples of working with a company, building that relationship, knowing, you know, a dozen people inside the company. One of the projects I worked on for over a year uh, on the final day when we were being we were launching the program. I had everybody from management, the CEO on down in a, a day long seminar that I was presenting on how we were going to roll out this program to their owner operators. In the middle of the day, these guys started, and this was back when we had pagers, um, they started getting text messages and leaving the room. And then the CEO came back in and he said, it was almost lunchtime and we were supposed to go all day. He said, you know, he said, you might as well come to lunch with us and then we can all go home. He said, the company just got bought. We don't even know if we have jobs. The whole program oh collapsed. Every just gone. New company came in. It, just gone. It it just happened recently oh, with, with uh, truckstop.com. I had a long relationship with them. We had big projects we were working on, and they got bought. Everything just stopped. It's just all gone. We may we may get back to working with them again. We're talking to them again. I don't even know if I want to at this point. You know, you yeah, put an awful you know, that, lot of work into something and just have it disappear like that. We, uh, we, we made the decision when the new group came in, they, they tried to make us fit and, you know, I'm just relaying to my most recent experience and I objectively looked at this and said, you know, I'm just done. I, yeah. I helped you build from a nothing company to, to where you are today. And now, you, you know, I've showed you all kinds of loyalty. I've, I've right. given you a, a lot of time out of my life. Yeah, I've made money, but you know, I've given you a lot, a lot of time and consideration and, and guidance that people spend a lot of money with me to get. Right. And you guys are getting it for nothing just because I'm a customer. And at the end of the day, this is the kind of shit I got to put up with. Yeah. Get out of here. I'm done. Yeah. I, I'll I, find another customer. It, it, their, their emails hit my email now. I look at them and laugh and just shift them over to the file. I, well, I, I should probably it, put them on autopilot. They're skipping right over. You know, it was, eventually I do get these calls. Like, hey, would you like to bid on this? I said, no. Yeah, right. So like, well, <laughs> it'd be really helpful if you did. I'm like, you know what would have been really helpful if you guys didn't just, you know, kick me to the curb exactly. when, uh, you know, we had a really good thing to find. Yeah, yeah, rock the boat. Somebody's going to find out. It, you know, it was truckstop.com, though, that helped us identify one of the problems, why we were seeing, you know, so many problems between carriers and brokers and why we weren't seeing cooperation. They they gave me access to all of their data and I was able to identify how owner operators were using the load board. And I was a little shocked by it. It was never how I used it. Um, but this was so huh. common you know, this is technology. They know every click you make. And they, I, right. I got to look yeah. at that data. And here's what we found over and over and over. An owner-operator comes in. They're in Portland, and they want to get home. And they put in that search. 
And the very next click, after it brings up all the available loads in that lane, their very next click is short by price. And as soon as I saw that, it clicked and I knew what was going on. And we started calling it chase the rate and one and done. And here's what was happening and why this wasn't working for them. They, this was the only way they used the load board. I never found owner operators in the rate data sections where they might be learning something about the rates in that lane so they could negotiate better. They're never in there, even though they pay for it. They don't even use that data. Yeah. They go in, they, they search, they sort, and they call the broker with the highest rate in that lane. Okay, great. First off, they never realize that's nowhere near the highest rate in that lane. The highest rates don't even make no. it to the board. That's the first thing they just that's are completely right. unaware of, that they're not getting the best rate. But the other thing going, I try to get... To a, load I was just talking about that before morning. Yeah. Same thing. It never hits the board. Right. The other thing I tried to get... Board, a, looking at, I'm like, oh, across to them is when, okay, you just sorted, you got your load home... Monday, you're going to go do this again. And what are the odds that the broker you used last Thursday or Friday is going to come up to the top again in a different area? Probably almost zero. So you keep chasing the rate, even though it's not the highest rate you think it is. And you're doing this one and done thing. You are dealing with 50 to 100. I have seen single truck owner operators with 150 1099s in a single year. That's absurd. Isn't that insane? You worked with three new brokers every single week this year to do that. What a total waste of time. Yeah, never mind what it takes to make that happen on the tax end at the end of the day. I mean, jeez. Yeah. Yeah. But you're probably spending money just because of that. But you know what you also do is you open yourself up to, because you haven't built those relationships. This is something that we preach on our end as far as working with uh, carriers. We want to work with repeat carriers because we want to build the relationship and we want to know what's going on with them. It's also limited our exposure to double brokering because we didn't have a lot of outside relationships. That's right. You know, and so you guys, you know, that, that that's a story that cuts both ways. I recently heard a story on Friday of a supposed customer who bought some product from a company I work with, and they set up a truck. The truck went to pick the stuff up, took it somewhere. The truck started calling my customers, and, and this has nothing to do with us. It was a story that related to us. I should preface this. And it turns out what had happened was the company claimed that claimed they bought it was a facade. It didn't exist. So they were somehow able to get their pro- get a truck to pick up some product. They built a credit system, so they don't have to pay for the product. They've picked up a truckload of some of food, and it's gone. Yeah. About $70,000 of food just... Yep. Goodbye. It's gone. Yeah, you know, the, these and, issues... And then like, the head, so how, how did this happen? Yeah. You know? The, these like, issues it, that it, were... It's just crazy. We're dealing with with the double brokering, the theft of freight, which you're talking about right now, uh, the transparency issue, which makes me insane. Um, even though, I, I, you know, I work on the owner operator carrier side of this, I am almost always at odds with every other owner operator group in the country on these things. They're all pushing for this transparency. And they're screaming about all the illegal double brokering and 
the fraud and theft. And, and I keep trying to tell them, there's a way to fix this yourself. We don't need more regulations. Yeah. There's already a regulation about transparency. It never gets enforced. It's never going to get enforced. <laughs> and you think writing another law about transparency is going to fix this? In my opinion, rate transparency is nothing but a race to the bottom. Why would we want it? No. Yeah, no, it's not helping anybody. It's um, it, we got a couple of things to unpack in that. Um, the the rate transparency doesn't help anybody. Ultimately, why more regulations is not going to solve a problem. Right. All that's going to do is create more headaches and and, and and hurdles to overcome. Right. Yep. Not that we don't already have enough of those in the industry. Um, we've got a uh, we've got a, a transportation to, um, administration that doesn't care about anything. I, I was recently told a stat in 2012 they started actually recording the complaints, the actual filings of complaints for double brokering. And when I had this conversation a few months ago, it was told to me that there are over 80,000 complaints in the system now. Not a single one has ever been even addressed. <laughs> they don't care. They don't give a shit. But, it is but, not on the radar there about anything else. But we have owner-operator groups fighting and screaming to get more laws that will just be ignored. What a complete waste yeah. of time. Exactly. Now, let's address the uh, the other thing, the elephant in the room. I'm not going to let your, your listeners hang on that one. I firmly believe that if you ask me what my rates are, I just won't work with you. Right. Right. Why would you? I it, wouldn't it, either. It makes no sense. It makes no sense. It, it, look, you don't get to go up to any. It's not a practice in many industries to where you could talk to somebody and ask them what they're raising. What it, are they making? Of course it's not. It's not a business. It's a business. That's it's, proprietary, it, it's proprietary information. I can't share that. It's so anti-business. It, it, I, I can't even believe we think yeah. we should have access to that information. It is a very socialistic way of looking at right. At, a commodity at, a, at an industry. And it's unfair to everybody to suggest that because then what's, what's the return? Fine. What's your, what's your, uh, you know, what's the cost for you to run per mile? Like, why I, do I, like, oh, why do I need to know that? Hey, like, okay. Well, you know, now you're making too much money. So hey, hey, you know, you cost you $1.25 a mile. Run. Hate, yeah. to, hate to burst your bubble. If you ask them, 90% of them don't know. This is what well, that was the other fact I was going to This is one of the things I throw <laughs> yeah, back at them. Right. You guys are yeah. screaming at brokers that you need to know their numbers. You don't even know your own damn numbers. I've proven it over and over and over. Maybe you yeah. should be a little more concerned about your <laughs> margins, not theirs. Right. You know, in if I can if I know what my waterline is, now I can have a conversation with people. I now I know what I'm doing. Now I know the targets I have and, and really what I'm trying to accomplish on a daily basis. I can tell you without uh, without blinking what the waterline is for all of my companies. Yeah. I know what we have to make every week, every month, every year to for, for us to just even break even. What does that number look like? So I know when the profits starting to hit, what we're doing right and, 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 and try to do as much of that as possible. Like I said earlier, not all loads are winners. There's some losers out there, and we have them. You know, they're they're done as a as a courtesy to the customer, really. You know, when I try to get you know, that so concept across, 
to owner operators that brokers do lose money on loads. I get a ton of pushback and their answer is, why would they do that? That's not true. It's not happening. Why would they ever do that? Because that's how business works. They have a customer. The customer has some freight that they absolutely know they're going to make money on. But then there's some freight out there that's mm-hmm. volatile. The lane is volatile. The rate's just, just low done. enough that yeah. it can fall underwater once in a while. But you can't go back to your customer mm-hmm. and say, I'm not going to do that load. You know, let's use a real example here. I'm going to pop into my TMS real quick and just look at a report here. And I'm going to make, it real, make, make real sense with real actual numbers, okay? Good. When we do this, what we look at is how does it make sense to take the loss? So when I say that, I, what I'm looking at is, does it really make sense for us to do a load in a way that, like you said, you know, some some months we win, some months we lose. You know, we 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 look at this on purpose because we want to make sure that we're not we're not doing three or four hundred thousand dollars of revenue with a customer and making three thousand dollars. Right. I fired right. that guy. I yeah, don't do exactly. That. Here, this is the one I want to pick on. All the way to bottom here. <clears throat> This is a thousand percent real right now. As of today, we've done 133 loads with these guys. We've done over half a million dollars in revenue with them. They're at a 17 percent profit margin. Yeah, I'm going to take some losers from them. Yes, and I will absolutely yep. do that. I'll do exactly. one every one week. That makes sense, you know, because really, at the end of the day, could I make more money? Yes. Will I make more money? I don't, you know. <laughs> right. You know, so we're we're also reacting to the market as well. I I wake up every morning. I start looking at our regular lanes, and you know, I, you know, I, I kind of go through and look at the stuff that we're really habitual about. And I go, okay, you know, has the market changed? What's happening in this market? Are we going to have a bad day? Do we have a lot of loads in this lane? <laughs> you know, are the guys going to get their ass handed to them? Or you know, this is the stuff that hasn't already been covered. But with our regular guys, you know, if we have some regu- uh, a, a surplus of loads that exceeds what we normally do with our regular guys. Um, or, or just some random thing. I just got a an email, uh, call about on 15 minutes before we got on the call here about a load uh, going from New Jersey to Florida. It's an emergency thing. We don't even normally do this load from, but he called me up because do I need help? I'm like, yeah, no problem. Whatever. I have no idea what that rate's going to go for or anything. Last time I did this load, I, I pulled it up on our system and it, it shipped back in October of 2021. I mean, you can bet the the rates have changed a bit since then. So I mean, like <laughs> all, all bets are off. I don't, yeah, I have no idea what we're going to pay on that, and I don't care. You know, like we'll get it situated. We'll make we're going to provide enough value for him to handle it, and make it happen, and we're going to pay somebody a fair rate, and then we're going to put a little bit on top of it, and move on. That's how it works. Yeah, yeah. And that's what happens behind the Kimono here at Three Sixty Bracelets. You know, <laughs> there's no wonderment. There's no, and I'd be willing to bet that ninety percent of the brokers just operate the exact same way I just described. Yes. You know, you're going to have some wires out there, but you know, really. There is no real magic to this. It's just about relationships and building confidence in the customer relationships and then working with people that can provide the service that we are offering. You know, everybody has a purpose in this process. Everybody's got a function. Yeah. You know what I run into, the, the, the mentality, and I run into it in a lot of other areas too. I, 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 I've been the guy on the, in the owner-operator world that has kind of bucked all the trends. Because every trend I see, I look at it and go, why are we doing things like that? Why are we still getting sick? The average truck on the road today gets 6.6 miles to the gallon. In 2008, 
nine in that time frame. It took us a little while. We built a new glider um, with all kinds of fuel mileage technology, stuff that you know really wasn't being done. We we took the the two drive axles and eliminated one of them and made it one drive axle to reduce mechanical drag. Um, I, I would I, people looked at me and said, "You're insane. That truck's going to get stuck everywhere. That's a stupid idea." And honestly, it wasn't even a new idea. I mean, six by two yeah, configurations no. had been around for decades. They just weren't being used. And they weren't being used because this industry doesn't even pay much attention to its single biggest cost, fuel. So we built a truck in 08, 09 that got nine miles to the gallon, pulling 80,000 pounds most of the time. Nine miles to the gallon. Wow. Instead of 6.6. The savings in a single truck operation when fuel is about $4 a gallon, that savings was yeah, over $20,000 a year just in fuel. And yet, as an industry, we still get 6.6 as an average. I don't have trucks anymore to do this. I used to have trucks, um, but I work with guys now. My Both of my co-hosts on my Friday show, which is all about efficiency, um, both of them still drive today. They are now doing 11 and 12 miles to the gallon. That's where we are now. That's what we're capable of getting. And we're not talking about one cherry picked load. When we say 11.7 miles to the gallon, we mean that was a 30 day average that took into account as empty miles, as loaded miles out West, wherever, you know, it's 30 days. Wow, yet, that's great. It, it, it is, but it isn't it insane that as an industry, we're still at 6.6? Yeah. Did you guys, I don't want to get off the track too far, but did you guys ever get into the hydrogen thing? I did. I did very, very extensive testing with hydrogen. We, 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 didn't, we couldn't get it to work the way it was promised, but we there was a company out here in Dallas that we tried it with, with two trucks, and... Uh, it, uh, it was a very interesting pro- prospect. Uh, it, I really it, liked the idea of it. And, uh, I learned a lot. Unfortunately, like, yeah, I did too. But unfortunately, like I said, it didn't yield any real results that we here's, did Here's why. So we, we even identified why. It, it, because it was frustrating because all the science says this should work. Right. I, I was interested in it because it made sense yeah. when I looked at it. The science made sense. There's potential yeah. here. And if there's potential, I'm willing to go explore it. So I tried two different companies. First company I tried was in Canada, and the system was twelve thousand dollars. That was expensive. Um, it did nothing. Oh yeah, zero improvement fuel economy. All I did was end up with dead batteries three days um, because the system pulled so much juice, and the alternator wasn't big enough. Then, when we put on a big enough alternator so our batteries didn't go dead, we actually lost fuel economy, which uh-huh. makes sense. You're pulling more power off yeah. the engine to charge batteries. That takes energy. We actually lost fuel economy. Um, It turns out there's a really simple answer to why this isn't working on trucks. You can't even come close to producing enough hydrogen to make a difference in a 15-liter engine. There is so much airflow going through that that you have got to create massive amounts of hydrogen. And we just can't. I mean, we could, but by the time you put that kind of equipment on a truck, you've just made the truck horribly inefficient. Right. Yeah, it's very unfortunate because, like I said, 
on paper it looks magical. Right. right. <laughs> but, but, but when it comes to real applications, it's junk. I mean, it's, it's very unfortunate. And, and you know, I, I found I, that this company brought me owner operators and small carriers with testimonials of how much this system helped their fuel economy. And I'm like, come oh, on, guys, do you not know how to measure this? Because I will promise you, if you think this system saved your money, you money, you are completely wrong. Yeah, we 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 were very disillusioned by the whole thing. Yeah, and we it, the company ended up going out of business early after that. All I mean, of it was them like did. A kind of response. <laughs> right, all of them did. Ours did. Our trucking company did actually. So it didn't really matter. We gave it back, and then about three or four months later, the crash just absorbed yeah. the company. And that was the end of it. Yeah, but you know. We were trying things to to kind of mitigate some of the other expenses that the company had, of course. Right. Hey, Jason, what do you think about uh, taking a call? Somebody's got a question for you. Yeah, sure. Let's do that. Yeah, let's talk around. And I'll I'll just tell it. Phone lines are open. If you want to jump in for a question, uh, either one of us, uh, jump in right now. We'll, uh, We'll do some talking. Let's get started in Mississippi. Tom, welcome. Yeah, hello, Kevin. Uh, uh, Jason, is that correct? Your name? Yes, sir. How can I help you, Tom? You, uh, Jason. Well, uh, first of all, you're on you're on Action Twitter, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, what, yeah I'm on Twitter. What is your What is your uh, What is your your handle over there? It should just be my name, Jason Bouch, B as in boy, A U C H. I, I guess now it's X, right? <laughs> yeah, I know it's yeah. confusing. I, I, was, I, I feel like we're talking about an adult side when we're talking about Twitter now. <laughs> right. Um, uh, so, what, Jason, what do you consider value uh, from your carriers? Great question. Um, really, what it comes down to is easy communication. And I'm not talking about, uh, you know, being able to speak English. What I'm saying there is, you know, being able to communicate the if there's a problem, when you've arrived, when you've delivered, uh, updates, you know, hey, truck, your truck is having a problem, we're running a little bit late, can you let the shipper know? Things of that nature. Um, locations, you know, a lot of times, those shoulder loads, we don't really mess with macro point. It doesn't make sense. We've got a lot of overnight stuff that we do. So, you know, having somebody say, hey, listen, you know, just, you know, we're shutting down for the night. We want to let you know the truck's over here. Um, if there's a problem, you know, we'll let you know. Otherwise, you know, we'll see you in the morning. And then I, I'll wake up to an email going, hey, a truck truck arrived early waiting for an appointment. High communication skills in that sense is very powerful to us because we're not chasing you around. We're not wondering what's going on. We can just update stuff. And then that allows us to communicate with our customers at a higher level as well. If right. I got to find that there's a problem, that lowers your stock. If I'm chasing you around constantly, I don't have time for that. I mean, Tom, no. we've got a lot going on. So I, that's one of the things. And I, I think that, uh, you know, uh, up front, being able to work with somebody that we can get along with, you know, ha- having some level of customer service, having a conversation with somebody that's not just braiding you, you know, I need this, this is happening. Uh, you know, you're a broker, you should be doing all these different things. And it's like, and, and sometimes it's not realistic. Some, and I'm sure they're taking that from a bad experience. But I, I, I guess going into it with a new a new relationship should determine a new kind of experience. You know, I, I would hope that anyway. Um, <clears throat> and then ultimately um, being able to perform the task, you know, to get the job done. You know, come, come correct. Trailer's clean. We don't have problems with, you know, with irate drivers, uh, you know. 
I'm trying to think of all the things, you know, the, the things that make it really easy for us to work with you guys. But you know, I, I would actually even say it even starts up front when we book the load. You know, a lot of times you guys have dispatch services. I, I can't tell you how much I hate a dispatch service. <laughs> Those guys are just a broker that, that has no, no, no authenticity to what they do. They, they really, they, they are an invitation for double brokering if I've ever seen one. Hey, Jason, can I make a comment <laughs> about that real quick? I'd be happy to hear it. Yeah, because <laughs> this whole concept made me crazy, too, because all I've heard from owner-operators for years and years, I don't want some damn broker taking a piece of this. But you're just fine adding another company that's going to take a piece yeah. of it. Come on. Why Ed, would you Ed, want Ed, a dispatcher? And factoring it at the same time. Yeah, and you, you know what I tell them, Jason? I don't know how you feel about this, but it, huh. it works for me. Why would you hire a dispatch service, turn your broker into your dispatch service? Yes, exactly. I mean, that's why we have assets. Yeah. Because we're ultimately, if we're functioning correctly, what we're doing is we're taking customer freight, we're putting in our assets, and we're brokering up the stuff we don't have trucks for. That is how a broker should function when it has assets. Right. Now, that doesn't mean that we can't partner with somebody. And, we, and Tom, I, you could run directly for me. And if we had lanes that you wanted, uh, you know, and we could just keep you running, that, that'd be the thing to do, of course. You know, that, that's the ideal situation. Now, now, now would, you, would you... Go ahead. Sorry. What, would you consider it value... Um, at at uh, the the at the at the shipper sending the um, the BOL pictures of the BOL pictures of your secured load. If you have sure. hazardous materials, pictures of the placards that are on yeah. there, and uh, you know uh, a seal that type of thing. Just just cursory yeah. pictures. Send them to your email. You know, you don't want to get blown up all the time, but nice to know that it's that it's uh, there. And uh, the same with uh, um, uh, uh, POD on the other end. You yeah, know, I'm, getting all that stuff well, that's so great. And, and whatnot. Is, I'm never is that something that you get a lot of? No, right. Is that something a lot of your your carriers do? It's about fifty fifty. I mean, really, okay. really, it's about okay. half. But but coming back to what I said earlier about you know being notified of things. The cool thing about that is, Tom, if you're telling me what's going on, then I'm not bothering you when it's inconvenient for you to be called. I'm not bothering you. Right. You're bothering me. So if you're just saying, hey, right. Jason, uh, load is picked up. You email me, whatever. I'm going to see this thing. I live with my email. You know, like my email's on my phone. It's on my computer. I've got three or four different screens in front of me. I can't miss this thing. It's letting me know there's something going on. And I, I like I just right now, while we're talking, an email popped up. And it's, uh, we got an appointment for you. It's cold. It just came through. You know, <clears throat> We're, we're, these things are in our faces all the time as brokers. So for you to say, yeah, we're, we're loaded, we're picked up, I'm like, cool, I mentally check that box. Now I go and I get back to the office, I can just put it in there. I'm not calling you going, so Tom, uh, yeah, I just want to check and make sure you got there. No, Jason, I, I, I was loaded and gone. You know, I'm actually, you know, I'm getting yeah. fuel right now. <laughs> okay, cool. you know, right, right. It, it, it allows us to have a different conversation, you know. So like I say, it, because you're taking the initiative to tell me something, I'm not chasing you down, which means that I'm not, like I, I might not wake you up. What if you're taking a midday, right. you know, you're grabbing a, a midday, midday nap and, and I'm waking you up because I'm trying to find out if you're loaded. You're like, dude, I heard, you know, yeah, I'm loaded. Why? <laughs> you know, yeah. we, we yeah. get a lot of that. No, exactly. Right. 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 I, I'm not a mind all, reader. All, I'm all, doing a lot of all, things, but most right. people tell you one of them is not reading minds. All, all back to communication. Now, I, I do have a question um, that you may or may not. I mean, um, a couple of weeks ago, I had so I have telephone numbers of the brokers and the receiver, 
And, and I, so I called the broker. Of course, they don't answer the phone. And then um, uh, uh, called the receiver because I had a question about the entry. Well, they had a they went apoplectic on, oh, my God, you're contacting my customer, you know what I mean, without going through me first, blah, 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 blah. Um, is that a problem with a lot of brokers if you call the receiver for you know, um, things like, uh, where's the, where, where, where is the entrance? Even though you Google map it, sometimes you can't see, uh, or there'll be two different, you know, you, 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 you understand what I'm saying? Is that, is, is that a problem with you? Tom, this is a great question because there's really a threshold. I think, um, if you're asking for specifics on how to get in and out of a place or you're talking to them about, um, you know, appointments. Yeah, even verifying appointments, I find that to be completely acceptable. Now, again, it's a fine line because if I start finding out that you're contacting the shipper to find out that there's a load through me that you, for you to take, then I take issue. I'm actually well, dealing with do. Now, I've got a really I've got a really good guy who and a really good customer, and these guys are talking, and I'm I'm. I'm by proxy, I'm kind of working myself out of this relationship now because these guys are talking. I'm like, well, wait a minute, time out. We, you know, we're, we're not circumventing me, but we could make it. It could happen real easily. So, you know, it depends on the kind of conversation that you're having. I'm I'm comfortable enough in my relationships with my shippers and you know, with my customers that yeah, I don't mind it too much. Um, but it really just there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, I don't want to say it depends because it does, but. There's, there's a lot of there's a fine line. Conversation yeah. that it depends on the person. It depends on the relationship. It, there's so many factors in this. I don't really have a great way of answering this. But if you're just going in, basic information, boom, done. Okay, cool, whatever. You know, in the power of Google and, and all this information that we have access to, it's not unrealistic for you to go, hey, I'm delivering to Cisco in Jacksonville, and I, I want to know, how, is there a place to sleep across the street, or do you have parking available? For you to call and have that conversation, I don't care. In fact, I'd like to know so I can make notes in case somebody asks me next time. Hey, can I, that's some, you know, yeah, that's, that's can I jump in too. here real quick again? Yeah. Um, I, I know a, a couple of guys that started a, uh, a website that's actually really good for this and could help both of you. Have either one of you ever seen Doc411? Dot 411? Yeah. Doc. I have none. Yeah, go to Doc. Oh, Doc. Doc. D-O-C. Yeah, D-O-C-K-411, the numbers, 411.com. This is an huh. app where users put in information. Now, the company went out and did a lot of this in the beginning, and now they use even more input from users. The drivers put in all the details about these stops. You don't go to this address. Wow. The dock is over here. They have parking over here. The bathrooms are, they, they you're going to end up waiting at this place. I mean, every piece of information they're gathering from users and they just keep building their database of stops. And this is one of those apps that just gets better and better all the time. I'll have to take a look at it. Yeah, it sounds extremely useful. Yeah, I've even seen like satellite pictures and you know all kinds of things that show you how to get into the place the right way, and it's uh, it's really a pretty cool uh, service. Yeah, yeah, that I I did look that up and I'd forgotten about that, Kevin. Thank you. The um and one more question, Jason. So well, it's not a question; it's sort of a comment on 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 brokers uh, having to divulge what what they're what they're making. Um, it's it's Absolutely insane to me because 
people don't know, um, you know, a where you are. If you're working from your from home, they don't know um, if 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 you have an office with uh, 50 brokers working for you underneath you. They have no idea what your overhead is. So you lift in your um, your kilt um, it, just to show them um, what your what your uh, what what your rate is on one load is. So subject, you know, it's just a, it's just a, a, a number that, you know, mm-hmm. I, I, I just never understood that. Yeah, and, and I, I, I agree. I mean, the overhead issue is obviously, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be unique to each company that uh, you would work with, and it's just. It's just not a capitalistic way of doing things. <laughs> it's just right. One, 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 more, one more thing. One more thing. Yeah, one more thing too. So, out of all all your customers that you you've got your you've got your carriers that you work for, how, what percentage would you say that you're throwing on the load board um, out of all of your um, all your freight? That is the eighty twenty rule, Tom. Eighty percent of the freight in the United States never hits the board. Eighty percent of the carriers that we work with is actually twenty percent of my fleet. So. I would have to say that the same would remain true that only about 20% of the freight that we move is actually something that we go on a board. Isn't that interesting guys that are just picking off the load board then and thinking that they're getting the the best freight out there when, you know what I mean? They might get, be getting the best rate that's on the board, but uh, the best rate on the board is the 20% uh, lowest freight, lowest freight probably out there. I, I wouldn't go as far as to say it's the best or the worst, but it's not far from that. It, it's not that the load no, is not bad. Far. It's just what's left over. You know, right. a great, great example is while I was in our morning meeting, I got an email from a guy. He says, hey, you got anything coming out of Colorado? I said, yeah, I've got this thing. It's going to be ready at 2 o'clock. I wasn't really thinking about it because, you know, I was going to let some time go by before. I was holding off on booking it because I didn't want somebody to take the load and get time to shop for it and then decide they want to do something different. I've worked with this guy. He goes, "Hey, I, you know, I'll take I'll take whatever you got. Shoot it to me." I'm like, "Okay, cool." We went back and forth on the raid, and I said, "Okay, here you go." And, and that was that. It never hit the board. Never, never hit the board. Hit the board. Never hit the board. Never hit the board. It was a load that was going to hit a board, but the guy emailed me and asked me about it. And I've got five other guys since that time that have emailed me looking for loads out of there. But we're done. We're, we're, we're totally covered up. We're working on Thursday now. <laughs> I guess we need a deal going on, right? We're working on Thursday. Yeah, and. and you know anything that comes in between now and then? Everything else is spoken well, for. Need, it's pre-booked. I need so, I need something out of Lewiston, Idaho, on Friday. <laughs> Where we're going? Um, what are you, Van or Reefer? Van. Van. Okay. Um, Patandans up there. They do a lot of uh, dry stuff. You've got uh, Basic American Foods. Hit them up, man. They do uh, nothing but dry potato okay. stuff all over the place. I mean, it's good to right, get right. Going up to Idaho a lot. I, yeah, those are the guys I'd be calling on. And they, uh, Basic America wants to work only with assets, so it's pretty much fair game for you guys. Okay, sounds good. All right, well, I appreciate your time, Jason. Thank you, Kevin. I appreciate you guys. You're welcome. Hey, thanks for the call, Tom. Appreciate the question. Hey, Jason, I know we're uh, we're past that hour mark. Um, how long can you hang out? Yeah. Um, I, I got I can do another 15 minutes. I got a meeting I'm going to bump into here in a minute, so I, I can give you another okay. 15, though. I'd yeah, love to, we got we got a couple callers I want to talk to you, so I'd love to get them on. Let's go to Texas. Mark, welcome. Texas, uh-oh. Yeah. So I get up this morning, and uh, I uh, uh, get ready to go 
get in the truck to go load, and I look at uh, this customer's load board, and I try to grab one, but I don't get it. And I, I'm Jason, by the way, I haul cars, and I okay. haul for asset days, carriers through their brokerages or whatever. So sure. anyway, uh, I call uh, my contact's cell phone number to say, hey, I'm going to be unloaded over in Louisiana late, late this evening. I need something back from Montgomery or West Point. A woman answered the phone. I thought maybe it's his wife. Maybe he's sick or something like that. Come to find out, he up and retired on Friday. He's gone. He left the company. So the person I normally deal with is like, and they're not exactly sure who's going to be in charge. So the lady, I worked with the lady that that answered before, and she went ahead and hooked me up with a load. You know, she called me back. She goes, hey, this is not the one you normally do. I said, I don't care. It doesn't matter. It's a load, whatever. And so now it's like, as soon as whoever becomes in charge, I got to start all over again, letting this person know exactly who I am, uh, what I do, how I communicate. I guess I'll have to take another sack of pies out there or something out there to them or whatever. But it's like, you know, it's like you just never know what's going to happen out here in this world. It's like you wake up and all of a sudden it's like, hey, yep. they retired. It's like now I got to build this all over again, even though they know who I am, the people at the company, and they know that. I'm reliable. I always call in, let them know when things are unloaded, loaded, this, that, or the other. If I have an issue, delays, or whatever, I just talk to them. You know, and, and I've been out there, and I've, I've met most everybody out there. But it's the whole thing is you just don't know what's going to happen when you have a relationship built. If somebody's going to leave this, that, or the other, and you just – you it's just one of these things that, you, you know, it's like you, you've, you've built – you built a reputation, so now it's like, well, now you got to sell yourself all over again. So, let me give you the cheat code to this. I want you to call those people back and be like, hey, listen, um, you know, I, I know that you're in a state of transition right now. What can I do to help make your lives better? Yeah. Be the well, it's the change. And the reason I say this it, is because what's going to happen here is they will, they will likely get somebody else in there. But you, you want to be the one that's ingrained. You might be able to pick up additional business. I mean, there's a lot of different things you could do in this situation because it is a, kind of a free-for-all right now. So be the person yeah. that is helping and, and, and everybody likes. And so you'll have internal champions over there. This is what we do on a broker's side. Yeah. You want internal champions over there. You want that lady to speak very highly of Mark. Mark is the guy. He, he takes great care of us. Uh, we've been leaning into him. And, uh, you know, if you need him, he's, he's a phone call away. He, they will speak you up. When she called me back with this load and I said, she goes, well, it's, you know, this is this. And I'm like, I said, you know me. Uh, I said, it doesn't matter whatever. I said, I'll do whatever you need me to do. And I've told them that before. I said, you know, I said, I'll, it doesn't matter how many stops because in the car hauling industry, people want one stop, two stops, and I'll do as many as I, it takes. And they know that. Right. So yeah, well, they, they know it, but, but you need to remind people what you do too. Yeah. You're not, you got to stay I'll, top I'll, of mind here. Yeah, and I once I once something somebody takes hold out there, I'll I'll go out and visit with them and just you know I'll say hey you know, come out there and then just just spend you know ten fifteen minutes usually it ends up more than that or whatever but and it's just you know this is one of those things that the uncertainty that you never know what's going to happen it's like you just you know you got other things you're worried about and all of a sudden whoa okay this this yeah. guy hit me to the blind side so you know and, it happens and in the grocery world too to, man. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's just generally in business, and yeah, and you know, and you were talking about dispatchers. I called Kevin one time, a little over almost two years ago, and I'm like, I was using a dispatch service in the car hauling business, and uh, before I uh, really 
got the truck and equipment I have right now, and the things took off. And I said, you know, I said, I'm looking at my, my, what I'm making per mile on all miles, and I said, I'm giving 29 cents, 28 cents to this service. And yeah. Kevin about fell out of his chair. He goes, I'll do it for half of that. <laughs> and it was just like when I looked at it as a percentage of what I was yeah. paying, it was like, I lost my mind. And yeah, it was like, and I kept telling these people, we need to build relationships with people. And they could never understand that. They could never <laughs> understand it. And, and, and I look at everybody as my customer, and not only my customer, but their customers. And as far as contacting out there, I call these, these, all these, these dealers, I say, I got new cars for you. And this is when I'll be there. And, you know, I, I want to I'll ask what their process is for unloading, where they want me to park. And, I, and I, just to make everything as, as, as smooth as possible until I get to know them. And, you know, usually I get to know all these people out here that I go to all the time. So, and then it's easy, but I mean, Saturday evening, I talked to somebody that wasn't a manager who acted like a manager. And I went there to drop the cars off. And I said, they said, well, just throw them in the box. I said, I really need a signature. It's not the STI. And he said, who'd you talk to? I said, the GM. I'm the GM. I said, well, here's the phone number right here. And then we were talking on the way over there for him to look at it. He goes, well, that guy likes to think he's a manager. And I'm like, well, I'm not trying to get him in trouble. I'm just trying to get you your cars and keep me from having to come completely across Houston on Monday morning. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's about building relationships and having a good attitude with everybody involved, and it'll get you a lot further down the road. For sure. No, I, I, so, I, I yep. can't agree with you more, Mark. Good stuff. All right, we're going to grab one more call. And Jason, if you got to bail, just bail on us. But we're going to bring in uh, Bill okay. in Louisiana. Welcome. How you doing today? Good. What's on I'm your doing mind? great. How you doing, Bill? Pretty good. Now I don't deal I don't deal with load boards. I, I deal with a lot of private boards, and what I do with my five with my five brokers every time I'll pick up a load I'll do a ten minute not a ten minute a ten second video. Hey so and so, hey I got this load. It's cured. It's tarped. Show them a picture. A ten second video, and I'll shoot them an email. You'd be surprised how far when you go take that oh, yeah. step to send to these people that they know that the freight is going to be in good condition and not wet because I run, I run open deck freight. Well, I tell you, you take a little bit of extra mile, they'll give you what you want, what you need to pull that load. Great use, great use of technology, man. And then also on top of it, you know, what, what you've also done is, is created that relationship. You've made it more personal oh, yeah. because now it's not just an email. It's not just a text or anything like that. They see bill. Hey, you know, so I wanted to let you know this is what's going on. Here's your freight. Here, everything is all rock and roll. I'm, I'm going to fire this bad boy up. Off we go. You know. Yeah, and then I'll, dude, and then I'll send out, man. and then I'll send all my 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 five uh, agents that I work with an email. Like I'm going to be at so and so place. Uh, Y'all got some freight? Give me a call. You'd be surprised. Sure. I'll, I'll get like two, three calls for the same for for different pickups, but I get to pick and choose where I want to go. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's great stuff, man. Love it. Yeah, that's just my two cents. All right. All right. Well, you all be good now. All right. Good stuff. All right, Bill. You too. Um, Take care. Um, bye. Jason, it's been a great conversation again. How uh, how do we work together and get more of this? More more brokers and owner operators talking in in the way you and I have outlined today. You know, um, I, I, again, it's through education. It, it, it's the want. For everybody to get to get along and, and, and to move forward in a common way, we've all got a goal. 
And for us to achieve those goals, we have to work together. So everybody can't be the bad guy. Everybody can't be the villain in the story. <laughs> you know, there has to be some people that just work together. Right. And, you know, that, that's kind of the thing. You know, we have to be willing to hear each other out and understand where each one's coming from. And, you know, we, we talked, I just mentioned the villain in the story. The funny thing about the bad guy in the, in the story that nobody ever realizes is that the bad guy never realizes he's the bad guy. Right. He's doing his thing for his own purpose. Right. You know, it, it may not be this evil plan. It just might be what they yeah. want to do. So, you know, not all carriers are bro- bad and not all brokers are bad. Not all shippers are bad. There are bad moments. I, you know, you guys always see me on a polished and ready to go thing. I am not always, uh, you know, not always hundred percent on. My wife will tell me yesterday, she was like, I, what are you doing? I'm working. I'm, I'm not paying attention to anything. I'm, I'm not living my best moment right there for my wife. Right. right. I, I'm, I'm, I'm in work mode. I'm in head down. I'm buried doing my thing. And it's just a different person. Right. So if I'm doing that and then I get a phone call about a load, I'm not thinking loads. I'm thinking about anything else that I'm working on. And you might not catch me in my best moment, but you can't judge a company on that. Right. You know, right. you have to, yeah. you, you have to look at other things. And I think that the, the same would go for a carrier. You know, yeah. you might have just come off an awful load. You've had some guy, they didn't have a dock and you're all sweaty because oh, yeah. you had to mess right. with the cord. And, and and then you're calling me and you're not you're in a shit mood and I you know I'm over there you know doing my thing everything's cool and, you and know, you're let, calling up with some type of an attitude. Let me I, comment I on that, that real quick. Does that yeah. that scenario happens every day, all day in business? It it just does. We're all human. We all have stuff to deal with. Yeah. Um, life happens. Here's the key: is that is that conversation going to go? better if, if 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 one party is in a bad place maybe even both parties are will it go better if we yeah. don't know each other and we're just now interacting for the first time or will it go better if we have a long relationship well if we have a long relationship i know this isn't you i know you're not that guy that's always pissed right. off and complaining about things i know you're just having a bad day so i can even try to help you know i'm actually having a good day today right. so let me ta- let me take some of that off your back but look, if this is the first I've time I've that, ever yeah. dealt with you, I might think you're just an asshole. Yeah, I come off like an asshole all the time. And right. It's just, you know, it's, it's inherent in my personality at times. And if, I, if I'm in a, in a specific moment, then, you know, sometimes I have to be that guy. But overall, I don't really care to be that guy. I mean, <laughs> right. I, I, I'm, I'm really fun to be around. I mean, I'm enjoyable to hang out with. I, I have lots of friends and stuff, you know. Yeah. I like, but if I was an asshole, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, you know, wouldn't you know, be able to interact with people. But it, Cliches become cliches yeah. for a reason. And, you know, one of the cliches yeah. I used to hear a lot, a lot, you don't hear this one much anymore. You never get a second chance to make a first impression. You only yeah, get one shot. I, I and, and if you're creating a new relationship or you're working with somebody new and you only have one shot at this, if it was a bad day, you're just kind of screwed. Or if it was a bad day for them, you may not realize how good of a person that was, how great of a partner this could have been. So we want to minimize those new interactions. We want to build relationships, which is what we keep talking about. You, you know, on that you can rewind time on that. We, I've, I've had moments where it just wasn't in my best and something happened and I'll call a customer back and be like, listen, you know, I, I owe you an apology. You know, I don't know what yeah. you're talking about. No, dude, look, 
Yeah. Look, I, I was in a shit mood. I didn't handle this the way I should have. I apologize. I promise to be better next time. I've, I had some things going on. It's not you. I promise. Uh, you know, own it. Uh, absolutely. Good Every advice. Every time I screw up and I own it, I get so much stock out yeah. of that deal. If yeah. your driver's late, own it. Driver's late. I don't know why yet. I'm working on that, but I wanted to let you know this is what's going on so that you can tell your shipper. Whatever. Yeah. Whatever the case. Just own yeah. the problems, and, and life goes so much smoother. Yeah, no doubt. And if you're in that situation, absolutely own it. I'd rather just not get into yeah. that situation so often. And I think sure. we see it so often with brokers and small carriers because they we know this whole one and done. And I, that's why this isn't changing. And, uh, you know, we're going to keep doing what we can do. We're going to keep reaching out to people like you. Um, we're going to keep doing shows like this. We're going to keep talking about this topic. And, and you know what? It's worked well for us for years. Uh, you, Every caller that called in with a question said, you know, I, I've been doing this. I have relationships. I only work with three to five brokers. It, that's kind of a model around here. It's pretty common. Yeah. Well, it's unfortunate because you've got a lot of brokers that don't do that, though, too. Right. I mean, right. the truth is there's a lot of brokers. I, 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 Think of one guy I know specifically from an old company. His name's Kenny, and they they literally call him one and done. Yeah, yeah. Because, and, because he covers he'll cover five and ten loads a day with five and ten brand new carriers. And I'm like, dude, you're not trying to hold the whole planet here. You're like, hey, you're spreading it around. What are you doing, Kenny? Come on. Yeah, well, you know, I, surely you know somebody that can do it more than, once, more than once a year, right? Yeah, like you work with the brokers to try to understand, to help them understand why that's not the best way to do this. I work with carriers. Look, you can keep doing this if you want, but I can show you a better way. I, I think one of the magic truths about our industry is that really we operate in mitigated risk. We're trying to do everything we can to create the most amount of return on the least amount of effort while also having the least amount of exposure to a disaster. Yeah. Yeah. If we could combine all that, it was a good day. Good point. All right. Speaking of a day, we better let you get on with your day. I know you're busy. you got a lot going on. So uh, we, we appreciate I this. Do, and, I, uh, yeah, today's launch day. Yeah, let's... Uh, hey, today's launch day for Normal. I'm excited, man. I, oh, hey. It, it's it's going to be a huge thing. Hey, yes, spe- speaking of which, we didn't get to that. Um, but I, I'm almost glad. I liked what we talked about today. And I want to get you back. And after you've got some... Yeah. You know, real world data on this. I'd love to have you back just to talk about that. Okay, yeah, that'd be, no, that'd be great. I'd love to do that. I've always enjoyed work, working with you, Kevin, and uh, hanging with your group. Uh, I hope I was able to provide some massive value for you guys and, and your audience and stuff. Absolutely. So, yeah, if there's anybody you need to reach out to me, get through Kevin, and uh, I'd be happy to help any way I can, guys. Perfect. We'll do. All right, Jason, have a great day. Thanks as always. Thanks, Kevin. Take care of yourself. All right, take Bye. care. All right. Um, phone lines are open. I will hang out here for, I don't have any calls right now. I'll hang out for a couple minutes to see if we have any or not. Uh, I am trying to, to decide if I'm going to go out to the river today. Um, I wasn't planning on it because we've had some weird weather. We got a bunch of smoke that came in from Canada Um just happened a couple of days ago. It's new for us. We haven't had any real smoke this year at all. But smoke's been pretty heavy, so it's keeping the temperature down. And it's the heat out in the desert east of us that drives all the wind through the gorge. So we're not getting that heat. So they were really predicting um, pretty low wind conditions. And I'm looking out in front of me right now. 
and I can see the river, and it's pretty low wind conditions. I'm seeing a couple little white caps break here and there. Um, nothing to get too excited about, except I just checked, and the wind is just ripping out at Hood River. Uh, it's about 20 minutes away, and it's where I go anyway. Uh, I was not planning on hitting the river today, but I just might. So um, I'm going to take a uh, couple minutes here after we're done and uh, try to make that decision. If I don't go to the river, I might just hold a uh, kind of a pop-up space today on X, Twitter. Um, maybe. We'll see. I, I've, I've got one scheduled for Thursday to talk about this. You know, trucking is a commodity issue, uh, but I may just jump on one today. If I'm not going to go out to the river, um, I may do that. I need to work on my keynote. I have some other things, but uh, I, I may move that up just in case they are predicting that the winds might get better towards the end of the week. Uh, I, just so everybody knows, I have completely committed. I am going out to the river every chance I get um, with any kind of decent wind at all. I'm going out every day until I get this. I'm really getting closer. Um, I'm, I'm starting to uh, think that, though, this whole process of me learning how to wing foil, um, it's kind of starting to be like the, you know, the concept we talk about with the resistance, the book, The War of Art. And we, if we're trying to do something important, we face this resistance. We can't even really identify what the resistance is or why it happens. But when you're working on something big, things tend to get in the way. That's what the resistance is. Um, this obviously isn't any big, important project or undertaking. Um, it's really only important to me. It doesn't matter to anybody else. But it's kind of a big thing for me. I've said I'm a little frustrated with it. Um, I really want to learn this. It's an awesome, you know, hobby sport for me in a lot of ways. Uh, it's good for me physically. It's good for me mentally. I love doing it. So this is kind of a big deal for me. I know it doesn't mean anything to anybody else, but I almost feel like the resistance has shown up, like weird stuff, um, stupid stuff, most of it my fault. You know, I talked about the very first day out there, I tore up my wing. Uh, only been out there about two hours, tore up the wing, had to go get it fixed. Um, just just weird little things like that that keep happening. So I thought that Friday was going to be my day. I Thursday, I had a really good day out on the water. I learned some things, got up on the foil. I said, all right, if I just come back tomorrow, this is fresh. I'm going to get this. So Friday, I had to go out and do some filming with uh, Azure, uh, which was an awesome time, by the way. I got to meet a bunch of people out at Azure, tour their facilities. Um, the CEO, David, and I did some, some uh, filming, some video. Um, and I wanted to get right out on the water. And then when we got done out at their place, they said, hey, we're heading over to Farm Stand to do some filming over there. And Farm Stand is my pickup spot for Azure. So they said, can you come over there with us? I said, all right. And, and we're, when we're at Farm Stand, I'm looking at the river where I'm going to go wing foiling. I mean, it's right there. So we're over there and we're, you know, one thing after another. And I'm like, oh, I really want to get to the water. So finally, I, you know, broke loose. I get down to the water. I've never seen the place like this. No parking anywhere. 
the closest parking to where I get in the water was probably a quarter of a mile. And trying to drag all your equipment down there. So I thought, all right, um, maybe it's just too crowded today. Maybe I'll skip it. And then I thought, no, you can't. You got you to gotta do this. So I thought, all right, I'm going to drop my equipment off by the staging area. Then I'll go park. Then I'll walk back because I'm just going to get in the water. So I pull over there. I start to pull my equipment out. And remember, I had just been wing foiling the day before late in the evening. So it's only been like, you know, 15 hours since I was wing foiling. I open up the back. I start pulling my equipment out to stage it. I can't find my wing. It's just not in the car. And I know I didn't take it out. It was just last night. I forgot it. I'd left my wing in the staging area the night before, never loaded it up and took it home. So I go over to the couple of stands there, their place where you can take lessons and that kind of stuff. And I asked, did anybody turn in a wing? Nobody did. Um, so now I'm like, now what am I going to do? So I thought, you know what? I'm going. I, I'm going to run into town five minutes away. There's, there's five kite shops right in town, wings, all that stuff. I ran and bought another wing. Luckily, I got one on sale, $1,100. I mean, these wings are expensive, and I lost one. What a dumb move. I was so mad at myself. Um, I will say that I like my new wing a little better. It's supposed to be intermediate. My other wing was beginner. I actually like this one better, though. Um, but by the time I got back, got the wing all set up, got out in the water, I only got about an hour, maybe an hour and a half on Friday. But it was a good hour and a half. So this is my week. In fact, I think I'm going to commit, if I don't really feel like I've made a lot of progress by this time next week, by next Monday, I'm probably going to pay for some lessons. I, I need, if I can't do it this week, I need to shortcut this process somehow. But I think I can get it. The, the winds are just going to be really unpredictable all week because of the smoke. So I may just have to keep my schedule flexible so I can get out there. Um, let's go to the phones. Let's go to San Diego. Mark, welcome. Yo, Kevin, is that you? It is. What's on your mind today? Hey, so I wanted to ask you a question, man. I've been listening to you for a long time, and uh, I've never called in. This is my first time. Well, great to have you here. So I wanted to ask your, your opinion on how you feel about electric cars and EMS. Like, has that ever crossed your mind that you're going to drive an electric car and you're going to be exposed to the electric field? Like, how does that resonate with you? Uh, it, not great. You know, I, I've talked about the fact that the car itself, I mean, if we look at why we want a car, uh, I think electric is really uh, much better than internal combustion for a lot of reasons. We're not quite there yet. We need better I batteries. I, I just, when you look at it, you know, well, let's think about trucks. You know, trucks, we've had diesel engines for well over 100 years. 100 years. All of us have worked on, not all of us, but a lot of companies, people, all this time, we've worked on ways to make them more efficient, make them more powerful, make them do things better. And we're, I'm not going to say we're maxed out, but after a hundred years of doing this, you're not going to make any major breakthroughs. And we are basically at the point where we can build an efficient diesel engine that's probably going to be around 600 horsepower. You go any bigger than that, you start losing efficiency. It starts to become um, much tougher to keep these things running properly. They're harder to drive. 
you know, you get up to a thousand horsepower and that truck is not, it's barely usable in the freight world, right? I mean, come on, nobody's running a thousand horsepower, but we also still only go up some hills at 35 miles an hour, right? Because we just don't have enough horsepower. That's just, that's just the way it is. And yet the first electric truck is a thousand horsepower and goes right up the hill pretty damn fast. That's impressive. That's not after a hundred years of tweaking. That's the first attempt. So there are clearly advantages to this. And and I could go on and on and on. Once we get really cool batteries and charging technology, all the possibilities. But there is that thing in the back of my mind that this is probably not healthy for us. We could say that, that we get away from diesel fumes which are not good for us either. And we get away from exhaust fumes, which they're not good for us. So maybe we're trading a couple of problems for a couple of new problems health-wise. I do think about it. The reason I guess I don't talk about it much is because I don't think there's anything any one of us can do about this. I think we're going to have electric cars whether we like it or not. Now, you, we can always decide. Yeah. I have decided. I, I think people probably remember me saying I almost bought an electric car, my last car purchase. And I decided not to. But I said when, who, whoever knows when, I don't buy cars all that often. I said, but the next time I buy a car, it will be electric. But I've changed my mind about that. I'm not going to buy electric. In fact, I'm going to hold off as long as I can, not because of the EMFs or anything else. I'm going to hold off because I hate the way they're trying to cram it down our throat. I'm not going to be a part of that. Kevin, let me tell you a little bit about myself. I've been down here in San Diego now for about 12 years. I came down here to work for, uh, well, it just so happens that I got a job at RML and I, I was with them for 10 years and now I'm with XPL logistics, um, here in San Diego. And as far as the LTL, uh, freight is concerned, we're still going strong. Uh, good, good. Still waiting to see the, the wave of the yellow. Yeah. Unfortunate situation. Yeah. Hey, kind of come our way. Hey, speaking of LTL, I was going to ask the last two people on the line about this. The LTL company that is spelled E S T E S. How do you say that word? Estes. 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 Okay. Then I've always heard it pronounced by almost everybody as Estes. Uh, I guess it's one way or the other. Well, I got, the reason I'm asking Estes. is because I got an email from somebody who works there, and he says, tell Kevin to stop saying Estes, it's Estes. And I'm like, oh, all right. I want to say it right. That's just the way I've heard it all these years. Yeah, I've always heard it as Estes. Est- yeah. Estes. All right. Estes. I'll work on that. <clears throat> So, yeah, down here in San Diego, going strong in the LTL. Good. Just wanted to give you an update, buddy. Good. Appreciate it. Keep doing what you're doing, man. I, I listen to you every day. I, I'll, I'll even listen to you on Rewind. Well, thank you. <laughs> I, I appreciate it. Thanks for the call. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's go to Illinois. Kurt, welcome. Kevin, hey, uh, back when you used to have the uh, – when Noel was on and talked about this general position of business, current – future, what looks like, you know, for the crystal ball thing, six months or whatever. Yeah. That's, uh, that's, 
yeah, yeah they, they don't have that anymore, which I understand things change. But I guess that's my question is like, what is, there's a lot of things in flux always is. And um, just trying to see from somebody else's opinion what that's happening right now. Like, uh, it was very insightful that that, uh, that hour that you would do with Noel every month or whatever it was. So is there a footnotes version of that in today's world today? You know, Noel still does a little bit of what he does. He's kind of semi-retired, so I, I still get an email from him about once a week, I think, and I try to pass along anything um, critical. We are working a little closer with FreightWaves, um, and FreightWaves has got great data. We may form some sort of a partnership with them maybe and bring somebody on, Um you know, it's one of those things. I loved that segment. I think it's important. We get very little feedback about it one way or another. We don't get a lot of, you know, positive comments about that. Um, we just don't get a lot of comments, period. It's one of those topics that I have a hard time getting people interested in, it seems like. Well, hey, well, it's well. Full disclosure, I'm a business geek here, too, so yeah. that's probably why I enjoyed it. Um, yeah, it, it, I, I like it. I think it's really useful. Um, we were always shocked. We got very few calls, um, you know, if we had him on and we opened it. And, and maybe it's just people are intimidated by that topic. I mean, economics are – it's difficult. It's really confusing. I don't understand it half the time. Um, so maybe it's just that people are just uncomfortable with that topic because they don't understand it. Well, my interest is more along the lines of just general planning within the business world, uh, you know, trucking in this scenario specifically, and trying to understand, uh, you know, future investments and, and things like that. So, um, I mean, is it is it pretty fair to say that status quo is going to be the way it is for the next six months, year, from what you're seeing? Ooh, yeah, I, I don't think we're going to see any major shifts in the next six months. Although, you know, we look at trucking as a leading economic indicator, meaning we actually look at trucking to see what's going to happen to the general economy. And usually it's a pretty good indicator. This time it's not. This time everything seems to be just kind of a mess. There's, there's too many confounding factors going on here. Um, so I, it's almost like now I'm waiting to see what's going to happen to the economy to know what's going to happen in trucking. It's almost like this has been turned around now. If we have a recession, I mean, we're, we're like bouncing along a recession. I think it, it, people don't even agree whether we're really in one or not. Um, and in freight, I've even said in a lot of cases, it doesn't look like we're in a freight recession. In some cases, absolutely. It's just so confusing right now that it, it's really hard to say. But I think that what's going to happen in trucking is more dependent on what happens in the economy. And it's usually not like that. But that's kind of what we're watching now. Are we going to have a big recession? And if we do, we could see rates stay down for a year to 18 months. Now, almost everybody is predicting these rates are not going anywhere for the rest of the year. Yeah, with, uh, with the increase of, in the last three years, increase in uh, driver pay alone and then equipment costs, it's result, there, there's a different bottom than it used to be Yeah, up until the point where people start falling off the cliff.
Yeah, absolutely. And that actually benefits the good owner operators. That's why we're not seeing them in a freight recession. They've, they've got things working pretty well, um, and we haven't totally fallen off the cliff yet. Uh, that's kind of what I'm waiting for. It, it, and I think it's going to happen. I, I don't think we're going to pull out of this without, without more pain. I think there's more pain to come. You know, I, 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 I'm, Lisa and I need to make a big, big decision right now. And I, I'm torn. I, I've been talking about this for a while. We've been taking our own advice for the last six or seven years, saving cash, watching for opportunities, pulled m- almost all of my money out of the market and either reinvested it back into ourselves and our own business, or we've just been sitting on cash waiting for real estate. I mean, that that's my model going forward. My investments aren't going to be in the stock market anymore. My investments are going to be in vacation rentals specifically. I don't want to own monthly rental properties. I don't want to flip houses. I want to buy really unique vacation rental properties here in the gorge. So that's our model. And I'm frustrated because I've been waiting and waiting and waiting. I, you know, I said I bought one lot um, kind of felt like I bought that one at the top and it turns out not even close. Price just kept going up on that one. And we've been watching property and I've been saying, I'm not going to buy anything. I I think there's a big price cut coming sometime soon. And yet where I am, the prices are actually going back up in real estate again. And we went out and looked at a property yesterday. I hate to even say this, but this is like our dream property. We fell in love with this thing. It checks every box. We we have not found a property like this anywhere in the gorge, but it's really expensive Um, in one sense. It's really expensive. In another sense, though, I look at it, and if I tried to recreate that property, if I just went and bought some land and tried to get it to the point this property was at, I would spend significantly more than just buying this property. So I'm really thinking about it, but it's a lot of money. And I'm really gun shy that I'm going to buy this thing. And then the market's going to tank. But I think we're going to, I'm pretty sure we're going to buy it anyway. Um, It won't break us. If the value of this property dropped by 50% after we bought it, it, it would suck, but it wouldn't be that big of a deal because we're not looking to sell this. We're looking at this as a long-term investment. So if we buy it and it, the price tanks, well, well, I could have said, boy, dummy, you should have waited, but somebody else might buy this one. I've turned down a hundred properties in the last five years just because I just think the prices are too high. This one, even though it's high, I'm looking at it thinking, I, I just think we're going to do this. It's just, it's such a strange market everywhere. I just did the same. I just actually did what you just talked about, where I've been sitting on a lot of, a lot of assets that was liquid cash. And I just started deploying it last week. And it's very uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, into real estate. And it's because it's nice to have that security, but, uh, Enough's enough, and I, in my world at least, I'm not signing a bank note for it. So, just to your note, that, 
we're in the same position, but I go, I'm still trying to figure out what is going to change. The only assurance that I have for my own self is like you said, like the worst case scenario is that it, like I end up owning a piece of asset that isn't as worth as much that I don't have a note on. Correct. We would be paying. Bad, you know, that's the. Yeah, we would my, be paying cash for this, right? Or we would take a very small mortgage. Maybe we've looked at a couple possibilities of taking a small mortgage, um, just so we preserve some of our cash during a time like this. Um, if we bought this whole property cash, it would take just about everything we have right now. So it's just, but. <laughs> Who the hell wants to borrow money at 8% now, which is what we're talking about on mortgages. We're up in the high sevens, low eights. I hate to pay that kind of money. So it's a a tough decision. Uh, It it hasn't been hard because none of the properties have been this perfect. This is one that I look at and think, if I don't buy this and, you know, a year from now, the prices never go back down, I am going to be kicking myself. I, I really, this property <laughs> just fits so many things so well. Yeah. Well, I guess, uh, I guess we're, we're talking the same, uh, Alf, the same book here. Is if you're going to, if you're going to jump out on a limb, make sure it's, uh, make sure you're not, it's not already half sawn off. With yeah. Mortgage so. Yeah. Like I said, if we buy this and the the price tanks, I'm not going to be happy about it. But in the long run, I don't know that it even matters that much. Yeah. Yep. Well, we'll continue going on. I thank you for that uh, just conversation here. And I wish you a best day out of the water. All right. Yeah, if I'm going to get out there, we'll see. Thanks for the call. Let's, uh, Let's go to Texas this time. Richard, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. Um, I accidentally figured out another way of making ghee. When I first heard about ghee, I'd seen how easy it was on, on YouTube to make it. Then I tried to make it, and I like, <laughs> I don't want to stand over a stove because trying to get all that wild <laughs> stuff coming up out of it. That was just so aggravating. And when I got through with it, it wasn't as liquid gold as everybody said it was when I got through making it. Well, a couple, couple weeks ago, about a month or so ago, I I normally take butter with me, <clears throat> take some grass-fed butter with me in my truck, and I put it in a uh, half-pint jar, <clears throat> just cram it in there. And when I go to make my eggs, I'll just scoop a spoon out of it and yeah. put it into my little pot and make my eggs. And I accidentally forgot to put it in my cooler one day and came back to my truck after I had my truck shut off, and I had some clarified butter, and it was <laughs> liquid gold. And now I'll, I'll take me a pint jar, and I'll stuff as much butter in it as I can, leave it in the truck over the weekend or whatever. Or if I have my truck shut off for a day, leave it up on the, on the dash, come back in a couple hours, and I've got liquid gold. And all, you, all I got to do is just pour it out in another jar to get the get it separated from the other stuff in it. Huh. And, man, it's the easiest thing I've ever done in my life. Interesting. I'll have to try that. So I've got a... Uh... I've talked about it once in a while, this weird little countertop oven I have called the Brava. I've said it looks like a laser printer and it cooks with light. It's a really odd little device. It's not cheap. It's 1100 bucks. I love mine. 
absolutely yeah. love it. I, I don't talk about it. I don't recommend it for most people. Um, most people probably wouldn't get that kind of value out of it. I, I like it for some really specific things that I can stick in there, hit a button and walk away and I come back and it's the way I want it. Um, and, and actually, this is one of those things. There's a recipe that, oh, here's the other cool thing about this. This whole oven can be programmed. Like there's six lights, huh. three on the bottom and three on the top. And they give you enough control in the settings that I can write my own specific recipes. Like I want the backlight on the bottom to be at 60%. I want the middle light to be at 80%. And I want the front light to be at 60. And then the top, like I can customize all of this stuff. And then once I create a recipe like that, I can save it. And if you had an oven like this, I could send you that file and then you would have that recipe in your oven. Oh, wow. It's really cool, but it, it's kind of geeky. And like I said, most yep. people probably aren't going to really get a lot of value out of this. But somebody created a recipe to make ghee in this oven. They have a big, heavy cast iron pan that goes in this oven uh, to do long cook you know, slow cook, uh, casseroles, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but this guy worked this out. You put a pound of butter in that thing, hit one button, and you come back and you have the best ghee I've ever seen. Wow. Yeah, I've tried making it on the stove. Oh, it's a and, lot of work. Uh, you get, I've, I've, I've got so many of those little, the, uh, I don't know what it is, a separate, what is it a separate tournament? You're, you're, we're trying, we're trying to get out the milk solids. That's what they call it, the milk fat. Okay, milk. yeah. So what we end up with is oil. Ghee is more like oil right. than it is butter. Right. So I have a bunch of those BB, right. BB size milk solids that I never could get out of there. But this right here, there is no BBs at all. There's no all, all the milk solids, every bit of it is at the bottom of the jar and all the all the rest of it is at the top. And all I do is just open the lid, pour it out until the milk solid starts to come out and I'll just stop and it is it is completely crystal clear gold. Nice. I've never done anything so easy in my life. Yeah. That's interesting. Like I say, I think I'm gonna try that. Yep. But I, I just wanted to share that with you. And uh, anybody else that, that likes doing ghee, that's the easiest way I've ever. That, that's the easiest way I've learned how to do it, and I've done it by mistake. <laughs> yep, looks good. All right. I guess, I guess Take, you can say. Oh, yep. Thanks for the call. Um, I think we're out of calls today. We're out of questions, so I might wrap this up and uh, figure out what I'm going to do with the rest of my day. Whether I'm hitting the water or whether I might have a space today. So keep an eye out. If I do a space, I'll probably only give about 15 minutes heads up. Um, oh, okay, hold on. Oh, I have a question that we got in an email I was supposed to cover, and I asked Angie to remind me, and she's been reminding me all day, and I haven't been paying attention. So, all right, I will cover this. Um, it comes from Bill. Uh, and Bill was told that he needs a knee replacement, but he doesn't want to have the surgery. He's wanting to know if it is beneficial for him to take copper, silver, and collagen supplements. Uh, this is a tough one. Um, 
And it's especially tough without being able to ask more questions and have more feedback. So I'll try to just tackle this generically. Is it good to take those things for this condition, for for his knee, um, whatever might be going on? His knee's probably worn out, probably some injury there. They just want to do a knee replacement. Uh, They want to do knee replacements because they make a lot of money doing knee replacements. So is it necessary? It might not be, but I, I can't know that because I don't have Bill here to ask more questions. So I'll, I'll just kind of tackle it generically. Yes, it would be good to take those supplements. They could help, no doubt. Will they help enough? I have no idea because I don't know how much damage is done here. And I don't know what the damage is. You know, knee replacement. We could have torn meniscus. We could have um, the joint is worn out and it's bone on bone. Uh, I, I don't know. Um, I, I have seen joints that are in pretty darn bad shape. I don't know if we could... Um, rebuild those or not. In fact, the only way I think we could figure this out is to just try it. Um, you know, try those supplements. Will things get better? You should notice some improvement, although you might not. If you notice improvement, then it's kind of your choice. How much pain can you deal with? Or could we get this joint back to where there was no pain? I, I don't know. So my best advice, since I don't have all the details and I can't ask any questions, um, is try it. Give it a shot. See what happens. If it's going to help, you should see results in two weeks to 30 days. I mean, I, I wouldn't test this for much longer than that. In fact, I certainly wouldn't test it for more than 30 days. If you're not seeing any improvements, then you may need the replacement. Uh, if you're starting to see improvements, but it's not perfect, I just keep going. I mean, just keep trying this. I, let me also say something. And again, I, I, it's hard for me to answer questions. This is why we don't do a lot of this. We don't, you know, put a form up and say, here, type in your question. And we'll answer it on the air. Every now and then I do it. But this is why we don't do much of that. It, it's too difficult for me to give a good, accurate answer without being able to ask more questions. And we couldn't even put that on the form because I never know what questions I'm going to ask until I hear some information. And then I ask a question, then I get some feedback, then that will change my question again. So it, it almost has to be done in person. So I don't mind questions like this once in a while, but I don't feel like I can give a really good answer here. I'm given more generic answers. And if this, then that. Um, but I, I would try it. Here's the other question I would want to ask. It's the question I always ask. Tell me about your diet. If it's not super clean carnivore, then I would do that first before I spend any money on supplements moved a really clean carnivore-ish, you know, all regenerative, grass-fed, pastured, forested, all those things, and very few plants, if any. You could do that for 10 days. Let's see if we got some sort of a response from that. Then absolutely add those supplements. Give it another 15 to 30 days. See if we get results. If things continue to get better, then just keep doing these things. If after 30 days you haven't seen any real improvement, the odds are we're probably not going to see uh, improvement. So that's, um, that's the best I can do on that right now.
try to really, really get your diet nice and tight, you know, really heavy, high quality carnivore and see what happens. Then add the supplements and see if we get results. And if you do, keep doing it. And then call in or send me another email and we'll, uh, we'll attempt it that way. All right. Oh, while I was doing that, we got a call. So I guess I'll go grab it. Let's go to Indiana. Jeff, welcome. Yeah, you were talking uh, last week or so about the, that one uh, lady on that Olympic commercial singing yes. her song. Do you listen to the very the first line or two of it? It says she has a touch of diabetes, but she manages it well. Yes, I know. No, you don't. Right. I, I see you. No, no, you don't. You don't have a touch and no, you're not managing it well, because if you did, you wouldn't look like that. Yeah. Yeah. Are you talking it's, about it's the one where where, very, she, where she's dancing and singing and. Yeah. 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 That, yeah. that, that yeah. commercial makes person, me a little crazy. <laughs> yeah. All of the drug commercials yeah, do, but that one her, even more so. Look, I, I, I hate to, to do this, but. I, there is no way I would ever take any kind of medical advice from anybody that looks like that. I'm sorry. Oh, absolutely. I'm just I mean, not doing it. First line is she, she has a touch of diabetes. Well, is that kind of like being pregnant? Uh, right. And I manage it well. No, you I don't. Mean, you're, you're singing no, about you taking don't. a toxic drug. You're not managing it at all. And you're probably 150 pounds overweight. And and only four foot nine. I mean, I'm sorry. Again, I hate to pick on people's looks, but we have to be honest about this. That's not a healthy human being. I'm sorry. No, I know. But it, all those commercials, they show all this stuff and they just have these out of shape people. But, I, you know, I don't know. I know marketing has done their job and their research. It says if we put fit beautiful people on there most people will say well that's not me i'll never look like that no so you're absolutely that right look like them on there I, I, no you are absolutely correct that is what's happening you you you're trying to push toxic pharmaceuticals the people you're trying to reach are not the gym rats you're not trying to reach people who are lean and muscular and, and you, because those people don't need your drugs you're trying to reach the people that yeah. need your drugs. And, and these are the people. And you can look at them and see they need something. Well, but if she's managing it well on this drug already, why does she still look like that? That, to me, means Correct. it doesn't work. That's exactly right. That's exactly so, right. The, the proof is right there. Yeah, I it just, I, I see him. It just makes me, I you know, I, I, I'm big on... I mind my own business. You mind yours. I'm not going to tell you, but I just walk around now. I see people and go, do you know, 10 days, can you just eat carnivore for 10 days? And then get back to me. I, I mean, but you know, you can't I know. to somebody and just tell them that. I know. But, but inside you're like, your joints will feel so much better. You're, you, you will have a greater outlook on life. You, you'll be able to walk more than 50 feet without stopping to catch your breath. Yep. I mean, I wasn't hey, fat and overweight, but I hey, dropped 30 pounds going to carnivore. The problem, Jeff, for, for you and I is we don't have a billion dollars a year to make all these commercials of people dancing and singing and looking <laughs> like they're living their best life. Yeah, 
That's true. And I, you know, tell them to go eat steak. Well, they'll get rice and a potato and uh, uh, potato soup with it. Yeah, you know, one of the most common comments I get when I talk to people about carnivore, they immediately say, "Oh, I eat meat." I never questioned that you didn't. But that's not what I'm talking about here. You also eat Pop Tarts. Yeah, well, it's like you said, you had your party and all you had was you had Doritos and Oreos. Nobody says anything. And then you just have uh, beef sticks you know, and meatballs steak and, sh- and, and, shrimp and, and, and chunks yeah, of cheese. And and, right. And Everybody be like, like, where's where's the where, green stuff? Where's the salad? Where, You're going to kill us with a heart attack here. Yeah. Well, right. Where's rice? I can't put you know right. sour cream on my baked potato. I, yeah. what? I'm not coming to your house anymore. Well, yeah. fine. <laughs> Yep, I know. Good, more meat for me. Exactly. <laughs> but we did stop at a restaurant. It was our anniversary when we went out, and I had I usually been ordering two dinners if we go out because I don't get the size. So I had right. a pork chop and a steak with a with a side of shrimp, <laughs> and the lady goes, "Oh, do a carnivore?" I said, "Yes, I am." She goes, "It's great, isn't it?" Awesome. <laughs> I love that. Uh. So yeah, I got somebody that was, and she probably encourages when they order. Mashed potatoes, French fries, and the right. Probably just goes, well, that's what they want. I got to serve it to them. Exactly, and then they they get yep. a boneless, skinless chicken breast. Yeah, uh, yeah, and it's dry. Oh, uh, nasty. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, talk to you later. Have a great day. All right. Good stuff. Let's go to South Carolina. Paul, welcome. Howdy. What's on your mind so, today? Is it well? I always said Estes, but is it Estes or Estes? Is it Pecan or I know? See, I always said Estes too because that's the way I always heard it pronounced. Where you come from? But he said absolutely not. It is Estes. So I'll try to say it that way. It's going to take me a while, but uh, I'll try to say it. Yeah. Well, I I I spoke perfectly good English when I came here. I had to change it. To Americanize it, so. <laughs> well, wait yeah. a minute. Our so, version is English. Even the English don't get to. Uh, of course, it's ours. It's American English. Of course, that's the right one. That's right, American. It's different than English. It's different than English English. It is yeah. very different. It's it's you. you we yeah. use words completely differently. And spell them different. Yeah. Like, a, a, see, one of, I always tell see, people one of the biggest problems in this country, when you spell labor, you forgot the U in it. it. Yeah, except the problem is, why do we want to keep adding more letters to make things more complicated? I'm, I'm all for hooked on phonics. Why don't we just spell words the way they sound? Yeah, so empty, you drop the E, the P, and the Y. Right, exactly. And you still have empty. MT, yeah. right. I it heard works. that one the other day when you talk about yeah. it's so much easier. Yeah. Why do and we the, why do we need to put a U in labor? Uh, what's the U in there for? It's so not doing done. anything. Yes, yeah, you do the labor. Well, I, I've never <laughs> understood why That's why, why the U's are there. We even yeah. have this concept of oh well, that letter is silent. Then what is it there for? Well, take up the space in yeah. the crossword. Why? Process. Yeah, and that, I, I got. I got I got one other thing for you. The other day you needed the wing. Well, you just need the rest of the 
the saying, you need the wing and the prayer and you'll be up and running or <laughs> flying or falling or whatever. So. I, I, I've tried lots of prayers. They're not working yet. And then dummy me leaves a $1,500 wing on the ground and goes home. Money to throw away, huh? Oh, I'm, Maybe. I, just what, what a dumb move. You know what? Just what a dumb move that was. Um, nobody turned it in. In fact, when I went over to one of the vans that was there, they have a van, panel van. They put all their equipment in at night. Um, I went over there to ask them. They're just guys that give instructions. And I went over and said, hey, did anybody turn in a wing last night? They're like, no, not only did they not turn in a wing, but they broke into our van and stole five of our wings. Oh, so, yeah, you're not getting it back then. Absolutely no. not. No. Now, when I went to buy yeah. my new wing, I went to a new shop. I think I thought, you know what? I'm going to try another shop. I've only been to one shop for all this. So I'll go try another one. We have tons of them in Hood River. Uh, so I went to a new shop, went in, kind of told the story and said, I just I want to grab a new wing. My equipment's waiting for me. I just want to get back on the water again. And the girl that was there, she said, you know, we take wings on consignment. She said, can you describe your ring or do you have the serial number? And I said, well, I'm sure the store I bought it from has a serial number so I can get that for you. And I said, I can describe the wing. And, you know, there's a lot of wings like mine out there. I see them on the water all the time. But remember, on the first day I tore mine up, I have three very distinct repairs and I've got pictures of them. So I said, yeah, I'll give you a picture of my wing. You You can see the patches on it. And she said, if somebody brings it in, we'll call you. There you have it. So who knows? I might get lucky. I kind of doubt it. I'm sure that wing is gone. I'm, I like my new one even better. And I got it cheaper, but uh, it's $1,100 I re- really wish I didn't have to spend. Yeah. So when I when I looked at Facebook this morning, the very first thing that popped up made me think of you. There was a guy on a foil. He was out in the ocean, and he was hanging onto a rope behind the jet ski and he he held onto the rope for like four seconds Poof, he's up and away yeah and uh that's what kevin needs yeah I, I either you know right now my neighbor has got his mastercraft the same brand of ski boat i owned for years he's got his mastercraft sitting out here in the road behind his pickup and it looks like he's getting ready to go somewhere with it i'm half tempted to just call him and say can I just come with you today? Can you give me a half hour behind your boat? Because I could figure this out. I'm positive in a half hour behind a boat right now, I could get up on a foil. If I would have started with the boat, I bet I could have done it in about three hours. Go see your neighbor, get the boat, get behind the boat. Yeah, but you know what? Be prepared. You'll be right. You know what I'm thinking, especially at this point, I've already put this much work into trying to learn it the hard way. I do believe that if you learn things the harder way, you sometimes learn them better. So I think I'm just going to stick with this. I'm going to give myself one more week. And if I don't get it by next Monday, I'm either going to talk to him about taking me out with his boat or I'm just going to grab somebody down there, uh, an instructor, and I'm sure they would get me up that day. The way they, I mean, they've got a cool system. Um, They actually come out in the water with you and they'll be on a board. Um, They may ride with you if you're actually up and riding around on the foil, or they may just stand out there in the water and and you've got um, a a headset and speakers in your helmet, and they do too. So while you're out on the water foiling, they're talking to you in your helmet. Okay. So like NASCAR. Yeah. So if by Monday, (laughs) next Monday, I don't have this, I'm either going to 
do the boat thing or I'm going to hire an instructor? Plan B. Yeah. That's all, that's all I got today. All right. Have fun. That's all I need. Thanks for the call. All right. Looks like we are going to wrap this up for today. We're coming up on the uh, three-hour mark. Boy, we just uh, flew through this today. All right. Uh, we will – let me see what's going on this week. Um, hmm. Doesn't look like we have any other guests this week, I don't think. I'll have to double-check on that, but I don't think so. Uh, should be a fairly normal schedule this week. The only thing up in the air are the spaces. Uh, right now, I have one scheduled for Thursday, but I may do that sooner. I may do it either today or tomorrow. It will really just depend on uh, whether I'm going to go out and hit the hit the water or not. And they're just calling for a really weird week of wind. Like, they're, they're, nobody is confident of their predictions. Like, you know, right now it's supposed to be blowing 20-something in Hood River, and I'm looking at, at our river here, and it's almost dead. Uh, so I don't know if I want to drive out there or not. We will see. So I'll, uh, I'll keep you updated each day as we go. Be safe. Be profitable, be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey.